All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything Marvel. Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, number 251. I'm your wacky co-host, Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent Am, joined by... Uh, ben Morse, Editorial Director of Marvel Digital Media. And what is going on with you? I don't know. What do you mean? Oh, all right. Back to normal. Yeah. The big 251st episode. Anniversary. Who, who thought we'd make it here? Most people didn't, I'm no, sure. No, I didn't. Yeah. But here we are. We did it. Here we are, sitting, enjoying the fruits of our labors, thinking about all the cool stuff we can do with the Marvel MasterCard, you know, movie theaters, concerts, you can get music, you can get toys, you can get uh, you can get stuff off the dining, Ryan. Dining? I love to dine. Did you have lunch today? I did. And did you think, uh, did you use the Marvel MasterCard? No, because it was delivered to me for free from Blake Garris. Ah, yes. The old Blake Garris route. Yeah. But, but had I had to go out and purchase my own uh, libations and food stuffs, I would have potentially used the Marvel MasterCard. Master yeah. It's great. It's for all that stuff. Video games, amusements parks, zoos. I love. I. The zoo yet this year? Yeah, I actually have. I love the Bronx Zoo. It's one of my favorite places in the world. It's super fun. Uh, yeah. It's great. Marvel MasterCard when you want it? Totally. Yeah. And you can do that. That's what you can do. It's great. Marvel MasterCard is awesome. Use it everywhere you want to be. Is that, that is a slogan, right? Everywhere you want to be? Feels like it. No, I just made that up. Oh, good job. Nice yeah. one. It's called branding. Yeah. Uh, but what is uh, This Week in Marvel for the this new listeners? This Week in Marvel, for those of you who haven't been with us, is where we cover everything Marvel, whether it's comics, movies, games, TV, toys, live events, competitions, uh, fights to the death, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fights to the life. Fights. Speaking of fights, mm. shout out to our uh, our boy and Drax co-writer CM Punk. Yes, getting ready for his they first do. UFC fight this week, right? I don't. Is it? It's not this I week. I believe it is this Saturday. What? Yeah. I thought it was September for some reason. No. Gosh. Wow. All right. Be. I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't think it is. Call in and let us know. <laughs> There's no call in no? number. All I don't right. think it is. They wouldn't book it on the same weekend as SummerSlam, would they? Oh, they absolutely would. Are you yeah. kidding me? No, you're right. It's not this weekend. Because there's an. It must be coming up in September, but yeah. I think it's soon. He's going to do it. He's yeah. going to fight. I know. Well, did you see what Conor McGregor said about WWE? I did. I did. Well, I mean, you know, that's just a guy you know, shooting off his mouth. You know, and you know who loves Conor McGregor? Who's that? Video maven Brian Stevens. Mm. Big fan. Yeah. Was heartbroken when he uh, got beat in his last fight. Well, you know that sometimes happens. Yeah. Well, Brian wasn't prepared for that. As you know, <laughs> Brian's not, you know, he's not really fully matured. Yeah. So Have you ever been to a live UFC event? I've never been to a live mm. UFC event. It's great. I would like to go to one. They're in someday. a cage. Yeah. Like, like wild animals. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I found old photos. I went to UFC 133 a bunch of years ago, and I was sitting. They, they like, hooked me up with tickets. They put me, like, I looked down the row, and there is Charles Barkley. Mm. And um, who played Whiplash in, in Iron Man 2? Oh, uh, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. And I'm like like taking these snaps of you know me and Elizabeth, my wife, yeah. and I'm just like, 
What are we doing? Yeah. This is this great. This is life. It, it was, it was oh, fun. Man. Remember Mickey Rourke's comeback? Yeah. He's in The Wrestler. He's in The Expendables. He's great. He was great. Why isn't he still back? I don't know. Maybe he's made enough money he could just hang out. Good for you. Mickey, if, Rourke, Mickey Rourke, call in and let us know what you're up to. If I made movie star money, mm-hmm. you wouldn't see me ever again. No, that's true. I would disappear. Yep. You, no one would know I'd ever existed. Your own private island. Yeah, hundred percent. Just away from humans forever. Ah, that's what that would. That's what makes you Marvel's Agent M. <laughs> so we got a lot of comics to talk about this week. As always, we're going to start things off with All New Inhumans number ten, written by James Asmus, art by Stefano Caselli. It's continuing the story of Flint and the hidden city of Utalon. Utalon was a inhuman city where they avoided. The Terrigen Mists, they didn't want to get mixed up in them. Flint has discovered that his family is there. He has reunited with his mother and also had a not-so-great reunion with his sister, who is trying to get the Terrigen Cloud to expose all the Utolians? Utolitans? Utolitanians? Not utilitarians. Utilitarians? Utolans. Utolans. I don't know. So there's a fight between brother and sister. Gorgon gets involved as well. Anna Craven, who is one of my favorite under-the-radar characters, gets involved. That's what the book uh, Anna Karina was based off yes, of, Yes, right? based, based loosely off the life of uh, Anna Craven. Uh, the other Inhumans show up to help out, and we learn the fate of the Utilons, whether or not they will be enveloped by the Terrigen Mist. Over in All-New Wolverine number 11, we have our first Civil War II tie-in of the week, but by no means our last Civil War II tie-in of the week. Uh, this one's written by Tom Taylor. Art by Iguara. Um, U- a Ulysses prediction is affecting the Wolverine family. Captain America Steve Rogers shows up on the doorstep where Old Man Logan, Wolverine, Laura, and Gabby are all hanging out in their apartment with Jonathan, the Wolverine. Um, and they're informed, Steve Rogers informs uh, Laura that Old Man Logan is going to do something bad that's going to involve Gabby. So she first fights against Captain America because she doesn't believe him. And then there's a pursuit to try to get Old Man Logan. I love that the pursuit is really great. It's like uh, it's Wolver- jetpacks. It's jetpacks, but getting through like an apartment complex, mm-hmm. and they have to like break it's the wacky. different. Yeah, and there's people you know in in mid bone zone. There's yeah. people having dinner. It's the best dinner. Dinner being pre bone zone. We would assume. Hopefully. For yeah, them. Hopefully for them. Yeah, but they don't want to eat too much because that just could ruin all the plans. The art is really slick in this book. I really like Iguaro's uh, work a lot. Yes. And I want to see who did the colors here because they're great as well. Michael Garland on covers, colors. Walden Wong on inks. It's very kinetic. Uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America, looks great. Um, just a cool story. And it ends with Old Man Logan getting shot full of tranquilizers and then doing something pretty nasty. I, as a habit, I usually read my comics sitting on the couch next to my wife, and she is perpetually like, like a month or so behind. She reads everything, yeah. just about, but she's she reads just them a little lazy. bit later. Uh, no. <laughs> we put out a lot of comics. It's and, true, and yeah. she has much more important things yeah. to do. Uh, and so, whenever I read, you know, a book with crazy stuff happening, I like gasp yeah. and I'll be like. What? That's true. You can't hide I your emotions. You don't hide your emotions no, very well. No, they're all over me. Yeah. And so she'll be she'll be like, what comic was that? What happened? Don't tell me. What happened? What comic was that? And I was just like, Whoa. So that's what happened with All New Wolverine. Yeah, that last page is oh uh, my gosh. Quite, quite a shocker. Yeah. 
All right, on to Black Widow number six, uh, written by Chris Somney and Mark Wade, art by Chris Somney and Matt Wilson. Uh, this is this is a pretty crucial issue for Black Widow and her Absolutely. relationship with Iron Man. Oh man, what a twist! Right, I put it like it fits in so well. It's this really great thing that ties into Iron Man's origin. Uh, is a really deeply emotional uh, piece of, of of business right here where you've got Black Widow as a young lady and how she fits into a whole bunch of different things. Uh, then there's a standoff with Iron Man and Widow, uh, which is just like, you think it's going one way, then it goes the other, mm-hmm. and it's all over the place in in all the best ways. I loved it. Fantastic storytelling. Really excellent work. Uh, and then by the end, it's like Widow has been tormented by... The uh, the lion dude, what's his the weeping name? Lion. The weeping lion. The weeping lion. Weeping lion for the last five issues, and here, this is it. This is the big the hammer haha. The hammer and sickle get dropped. Right. Nikolai one. Volkov comes yep. out, sings the national all Russian the anthem. Kol- all the Koloffs come out. Yeah. With Russian chains. Yep. It's beautiful. Totally. That's what um that's what Black Widow should be. <laughs> that's what Black Widow should be about. Natasha fighting alongside Nikita Koloff. I bet we right. could get Jason Latour to write yes. uh, a story about Black, Black Widow in the 80s fighting the Russians yep. of, of popular wrestling. There it is. Oh, my God. I want to read that You're right welcome. Now. You're welcome, Rest of Marvel. Uh, and thank you for Civil War II, Amazing Spider-Man number three, written by Christos Gage. Oh, art by Travel Foreman. Mwah. <laughs> Magnifique. Uh, colors by Rain Barreto. Clash takes center stage. He is going to confront the robot master, who's robot trying, master. who is trying to uh, convince Clash to work with him to go back to the dark side to turn against Peter Parker. Travel Foreman just draws the hell out of everything, but Robot Master robot is master. so so creepy. And the fight between Clash and Robot Master, robot master. where he pulls in all these different robots, including this. I remember this from when I was a kid because I remember when Peter Parker fought the spider slayers and they have this like weird gummy robot it's like this bizarre yeah i didn't know anything about that but i figured you would i saw it when i was a kid i loved it spider-man gets involved in the fight so it becomes a fracas three ways but clash is on the side of good um and then the heartbreaker is that after the fight peter basically has to say to clayton cole aka clay aka a clay um clash <laughs> look dude thanks for helping but you got to stop using your clash technology and clash just like but but I just did something good. And, and I, the I bummer helped. is he's like, this is the only thing I'm good at. And he's got such a low, he's got such low self-esteem, such a bad view of himself. Right. And Spidey is like, no, man, you're, you're pretty he's good. Like, at you're things. pretty good at a lot of things. This happens to be the thing you're best at. Yeah. But that but, still sucks to be told. You can't do the one thing you're best at. Yeah, man. But that's, that's life, man. Harsh, harsh right? lessons here. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, it, 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 things get really tense, and um, the fight with Robot Master quickly goes in the past. It looks like we're gonna have another Spidey versus Clash throwdown. But just look at this page, man. I look know. at this art. Like the, oh, the it's so crazy. The Clash design, I think, is Paulo Rivera. Maybe. I think it was no, Ramon, Ramon Perez. Perez. Ramon Perez. Yeah, Ramon Perez. Ramon Perez. Sorry, uh, Ramon and Paulo. Um, it's Ramon Sorry to Perez. It's such a great design, and the way the powers are always done. And this is a redesign by Travel. He, he tweaked yeah, it. Right. So, But that's what I'm saying is like it's such a great look, mm-hmm. and they've 
be taking it to little little bits and pieces that make it even cooler. Looks great. Travel does such an amazing job yeah. at, at that whole thing. Uh, we're a little bit out of order, but I'm going to dive in. We are totally out of order, uh, you know? Gonna, where are we? We're going to step back, go to Captain America, Sam Wilson, number 12. Uh, written by Nick Spencer, art by Daniel Cunha, um, and letters by our boy Joe Carmagna, which we don't give enough love to letters. We really don't. Uh, Joe and that the rest of the crew. We, we, are, we are guilty of the crime everyone else is guilty of. Yeah. Overlooking letters. Totally. Uh, but you've got uh, Captain America rolls up. He sees... Rage is about to throw down with the Americops, and it's a bad situation. It's a lose-lose situation. And Cap is like, okay, Falcon, you hang it over here. Yep. Watch. New Falcon. Yeah. Just Falcon. New fa- All new, all different Falcon. <laughs> and Cap goes in. He's like, I'm going to talk to these guys. We'll work it out. It'll be fine. You're a Cap. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, man. Cap goes down to, to talk it out. Rage is like, Come on, I want to fight. Oh, and the Americops are like, get out of our way. You're a dummy. Get out of our way. Yeah. And I, I like it because Sam is just trying to like make everybody chill the F out. Mm-hmm. And it's not working at all. Everybody is like heated. Everybody is ready to fight. And, of course, things go down. It's a, it's a bad scene. Uh, but we also have this interlude with John Walker. Loved it. U.S. agent. Great. Man, oh man! I thought he was dead or paralyzed or had like he was right. Yeah. Okay. He got. He came back. He's good. Right. He's fine now. He's fine. Uh, he was explained was... in the last Dark Avengers series we had. I think. Okay. Cool. Uh, Looks great. Okay, I trust you. Yeah. Let's go. Hundred percent. And uh, he is brought in by these super shady yep. uh, business and politics bros. Who are just like, hey, you need stuff for the troops that you're working with? Mm-hmm. We'll give it to you as long as you do what we want. Yeah. Uh, which is the worst. Uh, if our, if soldiers need like armor mm-hmm. so they don't die, why are you using that as a bargaining chip to get someone to do something for you? That's scummy. It's uh, it's scummy, but man, U.S. Agent is such a fascinating character yeah. when done right because he really is. His views might not align with certain views that we have, but he justifies it by his heroism. Um, he really, like, you can tell his heart's in the right place. Yeah. He's just, he's such a different character. He's motivated by just such different things than everyone else. And I, and I love extending on what Nick Spencer has done here in creating with Sam Wilson, a Captain America who does play politics, who does take sides. I'm glad he brought the other side in yeah. with U.S. Agent. You get to really see the contrast between the two of them. Yeah. Because for, for years, you know, Captain America Steve Rogers is just like neutral, Switzerland, in the middle, does not cater to either side. And now we've got this really complex Captain America saga, and now we've got a representative from each side of the coin. And I think uh, Nick does a great job of making them both very three-dimensional and very uh, real. Totally. 100%. Uh, see where U.S. agent falls into this battle. It will be interesting to see how the Americops play into the continuation of this. And they this shout out thing. to the original Americop, Bart Gallows. You, Bart Gallows. Weren't you excited about that? When Bart Gallows showed up back in the 90s as Americop, uh, young Ben Morse thought, oh, my God, he must be related to Jake Gallows, Punisher 2099. <laughs> and at some point, these two things are going to tie in together. And I don't think they ever did. Created by Mark Greenwald, though. As as, as so many yeah, great as Captain most, America things. Most Captain America characters. Yeah, shout out to Mark Greenwald. Yep. It's, 
I was looking at just how many issues of Cap he did. Hundreds. It's it's a hundred and like forty, give it's or incre- take. It's incredible. It's uh, an of incredible just, run. Just straight Captain America and maybe like the annual. That's an incredible run in and of itself. Plus Squadron Supreme and all the other things he did on the writing side, let alone all the stuff he did as an editor. Yep. As like He's an artist too. He drew a Hawkeye limited series that he wrote. Gosh. He did it all, man. He's amazing. I would. That's that's one guy I wish was just still around so we could hang out with him. Yeah, just yeah. pick his brain. Nobody's. Uh, yeah, Freeport would never be on the podcast again. Oh yeah, it'd just be all, be all Grunewald all the time. And I'd be fine with that. <laughs> uh, no, shout out to Tom. We love Tom as well. Love you, Tom. He's always amazing to have on. Um, but up next is Civil War Two: Choosing Sides, number four. Uh, we've got three stories in here. The first is a Punisher story written by Chuck Brown, art by Chris Visions. Very unique art yeah, by Chris Visions. Totally. Uh, colors by Megan Wilson. Yeah, the art's got this really cool, fluid, sketchy, weird, messed up, dingy, dirty vibe. Yeah. But contrasted Just by gross. the- gross. Just <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Whoa, Vince McMahon. Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> uh, it's, it's got some- but it's got great colors by Megan Wilson, which helps really pop it. I think it's a great art team here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got Punisher basically tracking these dudes who uh, have found this like secret lab and all this other stuff. It really just comes down to scary Punisher yeah, stories. I just enjoyed it because it it was a Civil War two time because like one guy said one time like, oh, the heroes have someone who can help them predict the future, and then that's it. Yeah. Then it's just Punisher brutally beating. The crap out it's of It's a great excuse to have Punisher and as just a nightmare. I think there's some, like, instances of Punisher being like, you know, I'm getting the criminals who fall through the cracks. Yeah. So it's kind of implied that the heroes are handling, like, with Ulysses, all these big threats. and But someone's still got to deal with the small, small-time small people, and that's always going to be the Punisher. Yes. Uh, this, our, a second story I love. Yeah. Second story is a power pack story written by John Allison, art by Rosie Campe. Camp, camp, maybe, maybe. It's got the umlaut over the oh. a. How do you how do you pronounce an umlaut over an a, Josh? On the spot. Josh has been here the whole time, by oh, the way, yeah. guys. I don't know. Oh, great. Right. Umlaut well, over I mean, the a. When you when you, the only camp. the only umlaut experience I have is with Motley Crue. That's an umlaut, okay. Right? Yeah. You I don't know. I don't crew. know. Doesn't matter for the yeah. Camp. Let's say camp. Yeah. And uh, colors again by Megan Wilson. Uh, super cool that we get to see. Power Pack Kids, three of them, which makes sense. Yeah, Alex um, is off. Alex and Wars. Franklin, who really hung out, was a was a. He's the hanger on. Yeah, he was the fifth Beetle, yeah. so to speak, of Power Pack. I like how you said Beetle. 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 Uh, I love this because we just read Power Pack. Yeah. When we read Power Pack in the Warriors Four, so it was really cool to follow up with the kids. But I like that uh, they were written as slightly older. Yeah, a little bit Not older. Super older. Right. Not like oh, they're all adults now, yeah. but like they're each a couple years older. And seeing Jack. Love Jack's hair. Yeah, he's got this weird kind of like faux hockey thing. He's going got on. like a lot of pomade in there, yep. and it's just doing its thing. Uh, he's getting a little interested in girls. Uh, there's just funny interactions. the The sisters are amazing and adorable. It's a really sweet story about just these three siblings living their lives in the midst of all the stuff that's going on. In the yeah, universe. and it's a Civil War two time. Yeah, I don't know. I forget how. Uh, there there's something? there's a there's a business in here. Yeah, it's it's sort of falling about the uh, with the Hawkeye business. Ah, uh, yes, and the Shin Hawkeye Banner, business. and they're 
sort of like discussing that and yeah. stuff. It's but it's good because it's just a fun story. Yeah, but it adds that like emotional mm-hmm. connection stuff to the rest of the superhero world. But yes, I want to see more Power Pack all the time. Yeah, I would really like to see an ongoing Power Pack series. Yeah, we should write that. <laughs> Last uh, story of choosing sides is a Nick Fury uh, part four, written and drawn by Declan Shalvey, colors by Jordi Belair, and uh, I think this one I believe is fully silent. It's Fury going in to get some. Uh, I didn't catch any words. He's in. He's like doing his infiltration spy business, and this is, I guess, set before. I don't know where this set time-wise. Yeah. Uh, I like what you're doing with your hands. Yeah, all kinds That's of... That's great for the listeners at home. Right. Uh, Black Widow is there. Fury's in the S.H.I.E.L.D. base, and Widow is trying to stop him from doing what he's doing. So they dance. Yeah, they do a little bit of a dance with their fists and their elbows and, and legs. Feet and, and whatnot. All that stuff. Um, yeah, it's super cool. It's really good. I love what Dex's doing with that story. Hercules Unleashed in Civil War II, Gods of War, number three, written by Dan Abnett, art by Emilio Laizo. Uh, Herc has been possessed by the Uprising Storm. He is now their god of chaos. He's fighting all his friends. And then to make matters worse, a bunch of Captain Marvel's team shows up. We got Captain Marvel, Captain America, Steve Rogers, Medusa, and Spider-Man all fighting Hercules with the legendary gods and heroes pitching in. Uh... Gilgamesh takes center stage here. He grabs Captain America and basically says, we need to snap Hercules out of this. The only way he's going to do it is if you guys acknowledge him, you've been jerks to him, you've kind of put him off to the side. So Captain America, who does believe in Hercules, and who was teammates with Gilgamesh. I love the Gilgamesh. He's just like, I was an Avenger. Yeah, I don't, when was this? Uh, it was, okay, it was right after the Dr. Druid period. Okay. It was during Inferno. Uh-huh. There was an Avengers team that consisted of Steve Rogers as the captain. Sure. Thor. Okay. Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, and Gilgamesh. And that was the team. Huh. That was Earth's Mightiest Heroes. <laughs> um, That's actually not a bad team. Not a bad team. They were fun. They only lasted a few issues. Uh, and then they went back to a more standard team. I think Walt Simonson wrote those. Um, but Captain America, with the help of Gilgamesh, who I love I love the way Emilio Lizo draws Gilgamesh is this kind of just out of shape but you know you can tell he used to be in shape but he's let himself go hero of legend yeah uh, it's good stuff he's like late era Harley race like, oh yeah for you sure. don't want to mess great. with him he will break you in half but you know like if you're just like glancing like hey what's up old man that's a great comparison and he will destroy you he will destroy you so Captain America breaks through to Hercules unfortunately the rest of the heroes the heroes still can't see the uprising storm so they all still think Hercules and his friends are a little crazy. So while they go and deal with Civil War II, which they finally ask for Hercules' help in, Hercules and his buddies are going to go take care of the rising storm once and for all. Yeah. All right. Uh, Civil War II X-Men number three, written by Colin Bond, art by Andrea Brocado, colors by Jesus Odrutov. And uh, this has your two – well, first there's this, like, future – scene which is super messed up you've got ahab and his hounds mm. ahab is the gross. worst so gross uh he's, he's got this purple costume and he's got that like the like knife thing the harpoon thing that he yeah. has oh i hate ahab uh but everyone you've got, does you've got phoenix she's you know like thinking about all this stuff thinking about the future thinking about where she is now thinking about the way that mutants are trying to deal with things of course magneto strolls up and he's like hey girl what's up yeah that's how Magneto talks. Pretty much. 
And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen those X Men movies, yeah. then you know that's that's how he talks. He's like, "Hey, girl, what's up? I don't like humans." Yeah, girl. It's not that he doesn't like humans; just he's worried about humans persecuting mutants. Hey, girl, don't mess with mutants. Just like that. Yep. That's my Magneto. Master of magnetism. Yep. Uh, so you've got this whole uh, business between Storm and Medusa, and they're just like spitting venom at each other, but trying spitting hot fire. Yeah. Uh, trying to work together because of all the craziness. I like that scene because it's just two proud characters, basically, who neither neither is programmed to back down. It's just not in their DNA. But eventually they have to find a way to work together. And it's just, I don't know, I like those two characters here. I'd like to see more of Storm and Medusa because they both have been queens. They both understand that responsibility and just have a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, and they're both leaders and awesome. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic. Great hair. Yes. Uh, we get to see a whole bunch of stuff with these two X teams. You know, you have Magneto's team, which Nightcrawler is on. They capture an Inhuman uh, who's doing a little bit of spy-spy business. Spy-spy. You got Phantom X who's just, just – He's the worst. He's almost as bad as Gambit. There's I think this one Gambit. I think he's team. supplanted Gambit. I no, think he's this era's Gambit. No one could be as douchey as Gambit. I don't know, man. I think Phantom X, who is French, um, has become the Gambit of this generation. He's not even French. No, he's fake French. He's fake French. Exactly. Such a scumbag. Yeah, but, uh, they're both the worst. They're anyway, both the worst. Uh, you've got them both in here for all you Gambit and Phantom X fans. <laughs> uh, you've got a, a nice X throwdown with two teams going at it. A little bit of talk, a little bit of pomp and circumstance. But it was all yes, a distraction. Pomp and circumstance. I like that. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Let's talk about The Fallen Number 1, written by Greg Pak. Pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Scott Hanna and Mark Deering, colors by Ian Herring and Rob Schwager. This is the epilogue to The Incredible Hulk's death. We get to see his funeral. We get to see the warbound gathered. We get to see his family. And we get to see different ways different people are mourning the loss of the Hulk. And who better to write this than Greg Bach, who's written so many great Hulk stories. There's a really cool moment at the funeral with Silver Surfer. Uh, There's great stuff with the warbound, as I mentioned. Rick Jones and Betty Ross track down the other people who might be affected by this. Uh, Betty goes and talks to her dad. The Warbound goes and finds Scar. Rick Jones is looking for Amadeus Cho, not having much luck. We get a reading of The Will by Matt Murdock. We get to see Hologram, Bruce Banner, kind of like Tupac, uh, saying what he left to who. It's a lot of fun. Uh, And he left some really interesting stuff. And eventually, we also get to see She-Hulk, where she's at, and how all the different Hulks are planning to go. There's a really cool thing with a kitchen timer that um, comes into play. And then at the end, we see Amadeus reacting the way he reacts, and it's going to be picked up in Totally Awesome Hulk. Yeah, I love this book. It's it's a lot of, like, talking and dealing with feelings, and it's done so well. You've said that kind of, like, Like, scornfully, like, feelings. Oh, how I hate them. Yeah, uh, really, really solid. And and someone on Twitter had asked me when we're going to get more info on, like, the funeral and the post-banner stuff. So, mm-hmm. boom, there's your book. Yep. Um, but we should have done Daredevil. We should have done Daredevil Punisher. I recognize that yeah, You organize these. I'm just going all over the you place. You are. Yep. Uh, Daredevil Punisher number four. It's uh, the – it's not – chapter one of seven circle which says here it says that every issue oh someone's someone's asleep at the wheel okay editing it, this book it's chapter seven who's the editor who's the editor um 
Charles Jake Beecham Thomas. and Jake Thomas. Mm. Yep. Beecham and Thomas. Yep. Uh, so this is part seven and eight of Seventh Circle, the infinite comic. Uh, written by Charles Soule, layouts by Mast, pencils and inks by Simon Kudransky, and colors by Jim Charlampitas. And I read this as Infinite Comics, and I thought they were really fantastic, like the, right. as the Infinite Comics, really, really great. I actually think they were they I think they work better as Infinite Comics. Right, than, they work sense. they're great as comics, but like they are what they are. Their Infinite Comics is a really interesting way that they tell the story here. Uh, but that said, you've got uh, Daredevil and Punisher both going after this dude um, named Antonov. Uh, just this gangster, Sergei Antonov, yep. who has done horrible things. Not I think a nice man. In one of the issues, they talked about him um, having a rival, and he poisoned the rival's uh, like Christmas or Thanksgiving Aww. dinner of 40 people, I think, Four generations of the person's family that's and wiped so them all out, and like that's the kind of caliber that this dude is. Mm-hmm. So Daredevil is trying to Daredevil and Blindspot are trying to get him onto a plane to Texas to be fully dealt with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Punisher wants to murder him. Yep, rightfully, you know, it's he's Punisher's like, thing. "Oh, I see this bad man. Let me shoot this bad man yeah. so there's no more bad man." That's the Punisher. It's effective. And Daredevil's like, "This bad man must stand trial. Mm-hmm. We're gonna send him to where the trial is." Because he is bad. Mm-hmm. So they're at, at cross purposes. Uh, the bad man has uh, hired... I like we've just rechristened him bad man. Yeah, I like it. Bad man has uh, hired a dude in a Crimson Dynamo costume. I think uh, it is the Crimson Dynamo. No. No, it's no, not. No, in one of the previous issues, they they Made talk about it, how uh, he's basically like, oh, there is a, there, the Crimson Dynamo. He's been dead a couple years. There have been other guys, but you can get this this stuff pretty easily. Oh, okay. So he's just a mercenary who has like not current generation Crimson Dynamo outfit, old school Crimson Dynamo, but it's still a friggin' Crimson Dynamo yeah. costume with like and it's all not these like he's weapons. fighting friggin' Thor here. It's the Punisher right. and Daredevil. Uh, so he's going after Punisher and Daredevil, and he's fighting them, and he's he's doing a pretty good job of whooping some ass. Uh, but he's also facing two people who you know they work together. Uh, and there is a rocket launcher used. Uh, so the first part, because this is sort of divided into the two issues, uh, you have a little bit of a of that action. Then you have Daredevil and Punisher throwdown, which I always love a good Daredevil Punisher fight. Always fun. Always good. Uh, but in the midst of their machismo, machismo running uh, wild. Yeah, it, as it's running wild, Batman gets away. He's running through. They're right at JFK. They're almost got him to the plane, but he is sneaking around. He goes, and this part like freaked me out a little this bit. This has been an epic report on this book, by the way. Oh yeah, well, this is it's a great. Yeah. It's it's two. It's essentially you're getting this two book, comics and one. Two comics and one. Two 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 comics and one. Uh, the thing that freaked me out is he's at JFK and he breaks into Terminal Four. I fly out of Terminal Four almost all the time. Right, so you're concerned that this fictional character yeah. is going to get you. I think Batman is going <laughs> to break in. He murders two like uh, airport cops. And then he that goes. Been you. He go yeah exactly. He goes strolling through the place, and it's like oh god. He takes a woman who's got a kid. He's threatened everybody. Luckily, Daredevil is there. Uh, and then there's a little bit of moral uh, chest thumping by the end between Daredevil and Punisher. But uh, I love it. I, I think nice. it's it's great because we see Charles's take on Daredevil all the time. Mm-hmm. But to see him do Punisher, it was really really good. 
to go to the complete flip side of two other characters who team up, but it's not violent or dark or anything like that. Uh, the Unbelievable Gwen Boole, number five, written by Christopher Hastings, guest art by Irene Strachowski. Uh, Gwen is basking in the aftermath of having defeated Modok. She sent Modok up into space, but she's still got this team of mercenaries that's together, including Batrock and two new characters. The client who hired Modok wants them to keep working with him. Uh, her buddy Cecil is back as a ghost, leading to one of the funniest cutaway scenes I've seen in quite some time. Uh, also, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, is taking care of some monsters and ends up running into Gwenpool on the train. Now, of course, the thing about Gwenpool is she knows who Miles is. She knows he's really Spider-Man. They have some fun with that. They go on top of the train. Here's the cutaway scene I was referring to. It's amazing. Um, and then... Gwenpool and Spider-Man suit up to rescue some people from a fire. Spider-Man's got this problem where his mask is ripping off, so Gwenpool suggests, why don't you just wet it up, which she does. She finds Genki, and she goes, oh, you're his little friend Genki. It's all great. Um, the client is getting a little impatient, and um, there's, <laughs> there's a bit where Gwenpool shows up back at Miles' house and says, face it, Tiger, you just got a study buddy. <laughs> And um, Miles is like, what? His mom goes, so many people call you Tiger. And he just goes, they don't. It's tremendous. And it's I really, very funny. There's a great line in there from Miles' mom. It's like, uh, just leave the door open. No yep. offense, Gwen. Yeah. It's just It was just cute and really, uh, I, I dug it. Yeah, no offense, Gwen. And then Gwen responds with, you're a strong woman and I respect you. <laughs> and she's like, what? Gwenpool is so much fun. I yeah. can't believe, this is such an ingenious idea yep. of having the comic book fan in the universe interacting with Marvel characters. Brilliant. Yes. My hat is off. Yeah. I'm not wearing a hat. No hats. Uh, all right. Up next is Mighty Thor number 10, written by Jason Aaron, art by Russell Dodderman, colors by Matt Wilson. Uh, the cold open in this was so dope. Ooh, it's in yeah. Alheim, and you've got Sir Ivory Honeyshot. Love Sir Ivory Honeyshot. He's this one of the, like, the last remaining free light elves who uh, is – ready to do some business he is taking it to the limit he is He's going beyond the limit my friend he is torturing a dark uh dark elf and it is nasty business uh mm -hmm. but he's doing this because he realizes they have to step up their game they being uh the forces of good he has to get the um what is this the league of realms together again i'm, I'm so excited to see those characters yeah. together again if they pull it off yeah it's gonna be very cool uh, while that's going on, on Midgard, you've got craziness as the dagger imperative is about to be enacted. So basically, Dario Agar, the uh, Minotaur CEO of Roxxon, has a plan in place. If they call he's, him a hipster Minotaur at some point in this book. That's great. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he has a plan in place that if he's like captured or killed or whatever – he uh, rocks on rocks on headquarters, which is a floating island. Yep. Uh, will then crash into New, New York, York City, City to more or less wipe out life on Earth, or at least really do a ton of damage yeah. to make most a things. dent. Yeah, make a good dent. Yeah, uh, which is totally a dick move. Dick move, dude. You know, uh, while he's doing that, he's he's captured by Exterminatrix and Silver Samurai. Uh, they just want his monies yep. and his his. They want to stuff. They want to take Roxxon down a peg and um, put themselves up a peg. You know? You know? They've also got two mindless ones, which 
Love the mindless right. ones. Love those are just exterminatrixes like henchmen. Yeah. How great would that be to have just mindless ones rolling with you? It'd probably be very dangerous. Yeah. They're mindless. And they just have these crazy eye beams. Yeah. Uh, so they go into Roxxon headquarters. There's this crew of Roxxon people uh, who, as we saw previous couple issues ago, uh, sort of they have this power from Loki, mm -hmm. more or less, that gives them almost Hulk-like abilities. Mm -hmm. And they turn into these uh, <laughs> Roxxon hulks. Yep. Uh, so that's the wild battle that's going on. It ties back to the story way back in time with the uh, the Viking, I believe. The three, yeah. three issues back in time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. The the issue, not like that comic came out way back in time saying it took place back oh, in yes, time. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Come on, man. Hey, um, you've got this great thing. There's lots of awesome banter. Uh, and you've got the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who think that Thor is Jane Foster. They're like dead set on capturing her. Even in the middle of this crazy fight, they won't give up. you got to think like, priorities guys mm -hmm. there's this thing that could destroy new york but you want to stop the person who could stop this mm -hmm. what's wrong with you uh all this is going on craziness thor makes a pretty bold move which could be a big sacrifice and we'll see how that pans out as a character shows up at the end that i was like say what over in mockingbird number six written by chelsea kane pencils oh by Kate Nimsik. Oh my God. Inks by Sean Parsons. Oh colors God. by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, from the first page, which oh is God. a mock up for a cruise that Mockingbird is going on. Um, she's going to the Bermuda Triangle. The best. On the Diamond Porpoise. Best comic. She is part of a nerd cruise. I love it. And the big reason that she is on this cruise is number one, she's looking for a way to help out Hawkeye, who's on trial. And you've got a bunch of funny stuff. And her doing a lot of sight gags, doing a lot of other things. But there's a lot of emotion underlying in this comic. The relationship between her and Clint Barton, uh, Hunter, who's along for the ride. Text, subtext, just hypertext. Yeah, just brilliant. Just The jokes land so well here. She's dealing with a guy with a horse head. There's a ton of people with horse heads. It's so weird. This book is so bizarre, but so fun and um, just so heartfelt. And like I said, we—I mean, look, there's there's a scene of Mockingbird and a guy who's wearing a horse head sipping on pina coladas in a pool while she talks to him about um, Hawkeye and how she can get Hawkeye, you know, out of this situation that he's in. And you really see the the sadness of Mockingbird and how you know she really is still clinging somewhat to this relationship with Hawkeye, or at least wants to wants to help but can't be near him. It's, yeah, uh, I mean, it's intense stuff. I, Having known people who are divorced or separated or whatever, mm -hmm. that's a it's a pretty interesting thing because it's like they may not necessarily want to be with that person, but they also have a hard time. Oh, they care about them. Yeah, they, they care about them. They spent this Part time the with them. Like there's, there's a lot of deep emotional stuff in mm -hmm. there. And then there's a bonus uh, de-stress with these daily yoga poses by Bobby Morse, and it's fantastic. It's so good. It's just the whole book is an awesome package. If you guys aren't reading Mockingbird, we cannot recommend it enough. It is one of the best things we're doing. You know who loves it? Who? Tanahasi Coates. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, Tanahasi Coates. So if you Red don't believe Black us, Panther, he's a genius. Yeah, literally a certified genius. Literally a genius. If you can't believe us, you believe best believe the him. Genius. Yeah. Uh, Remember the genius? Oh yeah. Good guy. All right. On to Poe Dameron number five, written by Charles Soule, art by Phil Noto. Uh, you've got uh, Poe and his crew 
they are on lockdown. The Black Squadron, they're just like in this prison waiting to try to figure out how to break out, how to help Gracchus the Hut break out, which he's a hut. Oh, yeah, he's a hut and a half. That sucks for them to have to deal with this basically just giant slug guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their uh, Poe's arch foe, Agent Terex of the First Order, mm. is also there. So now you've got this arms race. The two of them are trying at the same time to break out uh, Gracchus in order to sort of get their get their plans together. Um, Agent Terex maybe has other plans. He's probably not the most trustworthy dude, yeah. but he's going about his business. It's first Order chumps, man. Can't, I know. Can't trust him. Uh, can't live with him. Can't live without him. <laughs> well, that's going on. Poe has the Black Order's uh, droids form up. It's a squad. It's so great. You've got uh, BB-8 and these three other droids that just roll deep throughout. Uh, literally. Yeah. They literally roll. They're rolling. Yeah. It's great. And, and they're, they're like deep. beeping and blooping and worrying at each other and like doing all this stuff. They're being sort of uh, like spies. And it's just, it's really great. I think it's kudos to uh, Phil and Charles for doing excellent storytelling around droids because we don't get any translation. We don't no. necessarily know what they're saying, uh, what they're thinking, but they do a good job of portraying that so we get the gist. Uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, crazy moments by the end. There's this uh, definite heartbreaker moment. There's double crosses and all kinds of fun stuff. I love the book. Power Man and Iron Fist, number seven, written by David Walker, art by Sanford Green and Flaviano, colors by John Rauch. This is a Civil War II tie-in. Danny Rand is in jail because he and Luke are trying to uh, get a bunch of falsely accused criminals back on the street. They've been hired by their families to help out. You have a great interaction between Danny and Misty Knight, which I know is something a lot of us were all wanting to see. Both Misty and Colleen Wing are in this issue, as are plenty of old school villains. Uh, Colleen Wing is babysitting Danielle Jones Cage, and they have this you gotta watch like the background shots of them just like touching noses and stuff and doing this adorableness um some of the sons of the tiger are also helping out Uh, we see danny behind bars adjusting to prison life and trying to do his best to do good from there we get some flashbacks to him in kunlun and how he had to go into a cave and fight a bunch of monsters and wolves get to know a little bit more about danny in this issue jessica jones is doing her best she's doing detective work dontrell cockroach hamilton Probably my favorite character in this book, uh, not to be outdone by Raymond Piranha Jones. I, just, I love all these characters. These are just the, I think they're all from D- David the Walker run. pulled out some gems, and it's that's the great thing is like finding these old characters that, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, were never going to be used again, and finding ways to make them cool, right. make them fun, make them really important to the story. It's great. And of course, by the end, there's a prison riot, and that means there's going to be a prison break, and that was seen by Ulysses, which means next issue. A bunch of superheroes are going to go and throw down with Danny Rand and his whole situation. Yeah. Love that book. Uh, All right. On to Spider-Woman number 10, uh, written by Dennis Hopeless. Uh, Layouts by Javier Rodriguez with finishes by Veronica Fish. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And this is Jessica Drew and um, Ben Urich along with our boy Porcupine. Porcupine! They are investigating some leads from Ulysses. They, she's, she's gotten the gist from 
Captain Marvel. Like, this is what we're doing. This is how it's going down. Uh, and Jessica doesn't really buy it. She's she's suspicious. Nope. She finds it suspect. Skeptical. Yeah. I would call her skeptical is the word. Yeah. But she's a skeptic, if you will. As is Ben Yurick. Mm-hmm. And they're following these leads, and continuously they come up that this is kind of – this dude's power is legit. Seems to be working. This is happening. So we get to see a bunch of really great scenarios, mm-hmm. Quiet Room, the blue area of the moon, Monster Metropolis, a weird, scary theme park. Good Werewolf by Night appearance. I oh, enjoyed that yeah, one. Totally. And Manphibian. Yes. Two uh, for one. Totally. Uh, and of this really cool uh, inhuman lady who has these crazy Tetris weird reality shaping powers. Uh, and I course, like that. I like that. What, what is isn't that what Ulysses describes? as is it like this woman put a big te- a Tetris hole in the middle. Yeah, of the desert? it's something like that. Yeah. Uh, really, really cool. And by the end, it's like okay, maybe they shouldn't be so skeptical. And we get this wonderful scene of Jessica calling Carol to like talk about things mm-hmm. with her. In the midst of all the events that are happening in Civil War, particularly after the fact of Hawkeye killing Bruce Banner, yep. and then it all like comes to this big slam, and we'll see what that means for yeah. uh, Jess's relationship with Carol or even her co-stars. Yeah, and again, Spider-Woman's another character deeply connected to Hawkeye, yeah. so we're going to see how that shakes out. The were they... They, they were, were they in, were intimate. intimate. They were intimate. They were oh. they were lovers. Lovers. Um, you, you can see on the cover to the next issue, the of M&M's cover, Spider Woman, not the M&M's cover. Oh. that's just the back page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you can see there's she's holding an arrow, so I think she's going to get involved. Oh. The whole Hawkeye thing. Just a guess, an educated guess by me. Uh, Ultimates number ten, another Civil War two tie-in, written by Al Ewing, art by Kenneth Rockefort and Dijabel Morissette, colors by Dan Brown. The Ultimates. Storm down on this seemingly average woman who has a briefcase that Ulysses has said can destroy a lot of stuff. We can see a lot of valid arguments between members of the Ultimates. Blue Marvel is really against this precognitive, uh, so, uh, precognitive just predictive justice stuff. Uh, Spectrum takes Carol's side. We got Thanos, and he's uh, in the background, kind of manipulating uh, while the Ultimates uh, are fighting. Uh. We get great Thanos stuff. Um, and it's really this is the heart of Civil War too is the characters debating and coming up on different sides. Miss America Chavez has a unique view. Black Panther kind of sits back and just like interjects whenever he feels like it, which is kind of great. There's just a lot of great dynamics in this book between the whole cast. And again, in the background lurks Thanos and the Anti-Man and this stuff with Thanos by the end. I can't wait to see them fight the Ultimates again. I That's love that the Anti-Man is so power he's mm-hmm. more powerful than thanos to the point where thanos has to manipulate and but that's what thanos does i know no, but it, it's great he's like oh this guy he's more powerful than yeah. me i can get him to do what i need but this goes right back to like the classic 70s thanos stories where he was manipulating warlock and the goose and like thanos surely was a physical threat on his own but he's at his best when he's kind of worm-tonguing these more powerful guys and you're welcome for using warm tongue yeah trademark copyright ryan panagos 20 probably 13 or 14 something like that yeah all right um on to uncanny avengers number 12 written by jerry duggan art by pepe laraz colors by david curiel this is called rage against the machine Mm. um i gotta shout out pepe laraz and david curiel knock it out the effing park this is a gorgeous issue it's ridiculous uh 
and Jerry writes an insane story. So basically, in Rage of Ultron, uh, Hank Pym sacrificed himself to stop Ultron. Yep. But we've seen the last couple of issues, he actually came back. They merged more uh, precisely. It seems Ultron really finally killed Hank Pym and took pieces of him. But did he? Is the question that is at the heart of this entire story. And the question is whether or not the Avengers have abandoned Hank Pym. And it's really, uh, it's an mm. interesting point. Yeah. I mean, they keep saying, like, you, uh, Ultron Hank Pym is taunting them. And it might just be Ultron saying, like, you know, why didn't you guys help? Why didn't you save Hank Pym? You have a spaceship. Why didn't you go into space to find him? And you think that's just Ultron taunting them. But what if it is, like, the last vestiges of Hank? I don't know. It's crazy stuff. Yeah. And it's, and it's cool because they do a great job. Uh, who's on letters here? Uh, Clayton Cowles mm -hmm. and NBC do a great job because you do have – the Hank Pym side and the Ultron side yep. coming out from the same character, and they do a really great job of making it really weird and creepy, uh, and it's just violent and scary and sad, uh, and just this big brutal fight that, you know, the Avengers aren't okay with. Mm. No one's okay with this. Yeah, it's very sad. Uh, the outcome is, you know, one that is makes it all the more kind of upsetting and scary yeah absolutely we wrap things up this week with web warriors number 10 written by mike costa art by david baldion and jay fosgit i really like fosgit as a last name yeah look so into that super one. solid jay i'm gonna look into that one um we have got the spider verse web warriors all over the place trying to find each other octavia otto is leading a growing armor or a growing army of spider people um, she ends up on a world where Spider-Man is just a movie. That's just crazy to me. There's um, the movie yeah. world. There's the bread people world. Yeah, <laughs> bread people world. Uh, there's the Electros who are still raging and running wild, fighting Mayday Parker and Billy Braddock. Yep, there's the aforementioned bread people world. We've got Lady Spider and um, the former Aranya Spider-Girl trying to figure out a way to use this giant Robot Spider-Man, well, Spider-Punk is banging on it with his drumsticks. We got Harry Osborn up to no good with Spider-Man Noir and Spider-Man India. I mean, so much stuff, man. Those spiders, I want to be, I want to like smack them upside the head, like bros. Bros, you should have seen that coming. Uh, bros, Spider-Gwen in the uh, Spider-Gwen's on Spider-Ham's world. They are all trying to find their ways back together so they can just save each other. Um, and they bring an indestructible robot to an electro fight. It's a big mistake. <laughs> big mistake. As you'd imagine. Yep. Um, oh, man. Good stuff this week. Um, love Black Widow. Yep. Love The Fallen. Mm -hmm. Mighty Thor. Uncanny Avengers. All good stuff. I'm going to go with Captain America, Sam Wilson. Solid. My pick of the week. I oh, just yeah. think Nick Spencer's do. He, he's juggling some really delicate things in the air right now and making it work. Yeah. All the books you mentioned, I would also put All New Wolverine up there for me. Um, Uncanny Avengers, Power Man and Iron Fist, but I got, I got to gots. go with Mockingbird. Mockingbird, I got to go with Mockingbird. Love the Mockingbird, so good. Yeah, always good. Uh, Mockingbird, a wonderful book. You guys should really check it out. I think the first trade is coming out soon. Pick it up. Yeah, support that book. Support, uh, support Chelsea and Kate and what they're doing. They're doing some great stuff. Yeah, uh, I want to start a new thing mm. for the this week at Marvel. Well, <laughs> Uh, one is not a new thing. It's no. 
Uh, we want to know what your twim of the week is. Mm-hmm. Use the hashtag this week in Marvel. Let us know what you guys was the most exciting, yep. best favorite book of the week. But also, I want to start uh, a question mm. that we want you guys to answer. Um, if you have been reading Uncanny Avengers, what do you think? Is uh, did Ultron? fully kill Hank Pym? Is there some vestige of Hank Pym in there? Where do you fall in this? How do you feel about it? Just give us a little thoughts on yeah. on the Ultron Hank Pym Very good angle. question. Uh, and then we'll, you know, we'll pull your tweets, talk about him in a future episode, and uh, we'll try to do this Yeah, break it down. I like it. I like it. Good addition. Yeah. I knew nothing about this. This I is know. all on the fly. That's totally. how we do things here. Collections on sale this week. Deadpool and the Mercs for Money, Volume 0, Merc Madness, Marvel Masterworks, The Incredible Hulk, Volume 10, Star Brand New Universe Volume 2 and Star Wars Volume 3 Rebel Jail. Yeah. Digital comics. We've got the books that we talked about, except Daredevil and Punisher that is already out as an infinite comic and completed. So you can pick those up separately. But new infinite comics. We've got Civil War 2 Ulysses, number four. Deadpool Too Soon, number four. And Ultimate Spider-Man Infinite Comic, number seven. Haven't read those yet, uh, but we'll get to them. I'm sure they'll be printed and we'll talk about them there. Also on sale on the Marvel app, Age of Heroes 1 through 4. Yeah, uh, which that is. Was, that was an anthology title we yeah. did back when we were doing Age of Heroes. Yeah. But it's just the random. Heroic Age. See them pop up. It's great. Yeah, Age of Heroes and the Heroic Age. Mm-hmm. Got to remember to figure yeah. out which is which. Flip, flip the flop. Yeah. Uh, also, flip flop and fly. Also on sale, Amazing Spider Man 409, Fantastic Four 152, Fantastic Four Annual 5 and 6, Incredible Hulk 103 through 110. Sensational Spider-Man 2, Spectacular Spider-Man 231 through 232, Spider-Man 66, Spider-Man Team-Up number 2, Spider-Man Unlimited number 11, Spider-Man The Final Adventure 1 through 4, Starbrand 11 through 19, The Pit number 1, hmm. The Pit. The Pit is a new universe event. It's basically oh, right, when blow up Pittsburgh. Blow up Pittsburgh. Yep. I was like, we don't own The Pit. No. <laughs> We definitely, Dale Keown did not give us one issue of The Pit Maybe before he, he published it yeah. in the 90s. Anyway, Untold... Do you think Pitt appears in The Pit? That would be great. That if he's like, hey guys, I'm Pitt. That's what he sounds like. That's See me in like know, six years. I know you use that voice a lot, but yeah. that that's the most appropriate time you've ever used it. because That's definitely what Pitt sounds like. Totally. Uh, also on set, we've got Untold Tales of the New Universe Star Brand number one. Warlock 1 through 4 from 2004. X Babies 1 through 4 from 2009, X Campus 1 through 4 mm. from 2010, and X Factor Forever 1 through 5. Digital collections on sale Deadpool and the Mercs for Money Volume 0, Merc Madness, Incredible Hulk Masterworks Volume 10, Starbrand New Universe Volume 2, Star Wars Volume 3, Rebel Jail, Age of Heroes, Agents of Atlas Dark Reign, Alpha Flight by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lente Volume 1, Counter X Volume 1. And Spider-Man, the complete Ben Riley epic book three. Yeah. Freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited, we've got A Year of Marvel's February Infinite Comic, number one. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., number two. All New, All Different Avengers, number five. All New Hawkeye, number four. All New Wolverine, number five. All New X-Men, number four. Black Knight, number four. Darth Vader, number 16. Deadpool, number seven. Giant size man thing. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's here. Big pop for the giant size it's man. It's arrived. Thing. Yeah. The giant size man thing. It is full. Gotta love it. Yeah. Uh, giant size man thing number one. Guardians of the Galaxy number five. Illuminati number four. Incredible Hulk annual number five. Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy number five. Power Man and Iron Fist number one. 
Rogue, one through four. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, number 16. Star Lord, number four. Star Brand and Night Mask, number three. Timely Comics, Carnage, number one. Wait, so we're putting the Timely books, which are just yep. collections of other books. Yep. Okay. We've got Timely Comics, Carnage, Drax, and Venom Space Knight, yep. all going into Unlimited for some reason. Who knows? Uh, Uncanny Inhumans, number five. Web Warriors, number four. X-Force, 114 and 115. And X-Men, worst X-Men ever, number five. Whew, that's a whole lot. A lot of comics, guys. A lot of stuff to enjoy. Yeah, let's go over to news. And now, from Marvel headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News. All right. Ben, I, I like got? to go over to news. It's like we're going over to a news dice. It's, it's just me sitting across the table. Yep. All right, news this week. Uh, Black Panther started a new arc last week. It's illustrated by Chris Sprouse, so you know we had to talk to Chris Sprouse, talk to him and ta Coates about what they are doing on the book. Uh, pretty cool story coming later this week. Christina Strain, who was the color colorist, right? Colorist. Colorist on Runaways and a whole bunch of other stuff, is making her writing debut. That's awful for us. Yeah. She's been writing yeah. all kinds of – she's been doing all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. outside of Marvel. She's making her Marvel writing debut on a White Fox story. So we had Sarah Cook sit down and talk to her about her career and what she's got coming up. Should be great. I'm That's really great. excited to read that one, get that one in. Terrific. And also coming to the site later this week. Well, this stuff will be out by the time we talk. But uh, Enzo Amore from WWE. Wow. Spoke to Blake Garris. How'd that go? I, Blake said it went very well. Blake did his research. He was like, he was really showing me stuff. He went and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, his match at SummerSlam with Chris Jericho. You may remember that he was injured recently. But like, he was just throwing <laughs> facts out there. I'm like, good job, Blake. Yeah. Yeah. They can't hear you, Josh. Josh. No one can hear you. I transcribed that interview, guys. <laughs> uh, that'll really sell Good job, Josh. It. Okay, over in the world of games, we got a lot of stuff going on. Spider-Man Unlimited just added a new 2099 story as well as a Superior Spider-Man event. In Marvel Heroes, you can now team up with Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, and Miles Morales Spider-Man. Future Fight is the first Marvel game to debut Gwenpool, who is now available to be played. And just for you, Ryan... Contest of Champions has added Gambit. That's great. That's my Gambit. That's like some Adam Sandler level Cajun accent. Well, that's who I picture playing Gambit is Adam Sandler. He he is the perfect pick. Yeah. Uh, Not really news news, but something to share with you guys. Uh, Looks like we're going to be able to also put the podcasts, all our podcasts, on the SoundCloud. Yes, very exciting. So that's going to be cool. I'm figuring out all those details right now. Um, but should be a better streaming experience if you listen to it on, you know, if you prefer to like listen to it on the web, mm-hmm. if you don't want to download it, that kind of stuff. So we're going to include that in our news stories on the site and on the social pages as well. Um, soon, I hope. That should be pretty cool. Soonish. Yeah. All right. So here's what we've got for the rest of the show. Uh, first of all, we're going to play an interview that myself and Jordan White did with Penn Gillette. Oh, from of Penn and, and Teller fame? Of Penn and Teller fame, uh, who's going to be working on an issue of Spider-Man Deadpool for us. So we've talked to him about that. You guys can listen in. And then it is over to Strami and the Wolfman for a somber final Wolfman appearance. Yeah. yeah saying farewell uh, by doing a Twin URC, which means we will not be back. We're done for this episode. Yeah. But should we give our new Twin URC pick? Before Stromy usually theirs. doesn't, right? Yeah, Stromy definitely will not. So we'll let you guys know now. The next Twim URC 
after the one you're about to listen to. It's going to be Spider-Man Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah, I can't believe we've never done it. Yeah, I know. Neither have I. Uh, Classic 80s Spider-Man story. We'll get that up there, and we will break it down. We'll see if, I don't know, maybe there's a guest to pull on for that. I don't think it's in Unlimited. I haven't looked. Mm. But there's a really great what if. Mm -hmm. What if uh, Spider-Man, you know, what if Craven killed Spider-Man? Right. Is a book I read probably 50 times when I was a kid. See if we can find it. Probably says a lot about me of Craven killing Spider-Man. A lot. But if so that's much. an unlimited, we got to include right. it. If not, I'll take a look. It's a great one. All right. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening to our part this week. Uh, more of me coming up with Penn Gillette, and then over to Stromy and the Wolfman taking it home. And now welcome to This Week in Marvel, our very special guest. Hey, everybody, and welcome to This Week in Marvel, the official podcast of all things Marvel. My name is Ben Morse. I'm the editorial director of digital media here at Marvel. I've got new close friend of the podcast. He seems to be on with us all, to- all the time. Editor Jordan White with us. And Hello Jordan, there. Would you like to introduce our special guest? Uh, of course. Uh, we have with us uh, the amazing uh, magician and comedian and writer, Mr. Penn Gillette. And who am I going to introduce? <laughs> yeah, we'll keep going. Yeah. You can introduce Josh. He's on, you know. Yeah, Josh on is a knob twiddling. On knob twiddling. <laughs> He's a fine, fine knob twiddling. Yeah, absolutely. Top of the line. So, Pam, what brings you to the Marvel HQ today? Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm here to see my uh, my new buddy, uh, uh, Jordan, mm-hmm. and uh, we're talking about doing a, uh, a Spider-Man and Deadpool meet Penn and Teller. Really? Uh, we're going to do a uh, special comic that I'm just uh, jacked about, mm-hmm. really excited about. Uh, and we're going to end up with it being uh, uh, a team, you know, a Spider-Man, Deadpool, or a team. But in this comic, the team will be Spider-Man, Teller, and uh, Penn and Deadpool. And you're you got to be excited about that teaming up with Deadpool. Is I'm very excited. Huge honor. I make him dress as Teller with a Teller <laughs> mask, and imagine what a magician could do with someone who heals that quickly. Absolutely. <laughs> What's the first thing you would do? Well, first I would do is stick a ninja sword through his stomach. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, of course, that even though he can regenerate, it still hurts. Yeah. Oh, boy, <laughs> yeah that's the best thing about it. Yeah. I like I, yeah. He he would uh, he would do the bullet catch by just putting like a metal plate behind his head. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a, it's a really uh, it's a. Uh, it's a dream come true for a Las Vegas magician. So I'm playing around with that and uh, getting a lot of help. And I'm really excited. You know, I signed all the stuff away so that uh, Penn and Teller can be part of the Marvel family. I've always wanted to be wow. a fictitious character. That's really That's cool. what I'm working on. So cool. So how did this arrangement all come together, guys? How did uh, – who approached who – I'm glad know. you're looking in that direction. Yeah. <laughs> My answer would be I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, fans will know that uh, – uh, Joe Kelly and Ed McGinnis are the usual artist, uh, writer and artist team on Spider-Man and Deadpool. And uh, so far, a couple times over the course of the series, when they've needed a little extra time to get stuff done, we've reached out to people to do fill-in issues. And we're trying to think of like the coolest, most interesting people. And um, I've been a fan of Penn and Teller for ages. And uh, we had we had talked a little bit on Twitter before. And, and I thought, well, I wonder if, if Penn would be interested. Probably not. But might as well ask. And so I did. And Thankfully, he was yeah, interested. I had, I, had, I had to mull it over for about uh, two or three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> before I have you. I mean, it's, what, what could be more exciting than being a, being in a comic book and being able to to uh, kind of uh, play around with uh, that level of character? I mean, I, I, of all the characters in the uh, in the uh, comic universe, it's pretty hard to get uh, to get better than uh, Spider-Man and Deadpool. I mean, uh, Spider-Man has the 
the sensibility, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of um, of kind of everything kind of uh, wonderful and groovy from like the uh, '80s and '90s, and then you've got uh, you got Deadpool, who is just I I think the comic character of the 21st century. Right. You know, it's just. Uh, there's a right. new impetus there and the breaking of the fourth wall and there's a lot of the stuff that uh, I'm interested in in, uh, in in theater and performance that Deadpool uh, the Deadpool character is playing around with in that the, uh, the idea of um, having something happen while you comment on it is uh, the most fascinating thing to me to be able to um, you know Deadpool goes through all the hero stuff and comments on it uh Absolutely at the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been fascinated by that. I mean, Teller and I love to do magic tricks, talk about how the magic tricks are done, and still fool <laughs> other people. So you know, that going simultaneously is a uh, is fascinating, and I love that it's being done uh, so clearly by uh, by uh, Deadpool. And I like that um, it's not it doesn't it really does within the story. I mean, the movie did a very nice job mm-hmm. within the story. He's actually uh, self-aware, which I love. Right. You mentioned kind of you know the stage show doing the magic and whatnot. How does that translate over to something like writing a comic? What common tools do you find you're using? Well, you know uh, what you are doing in uh, in magic. Mm -hmm. All you learn in magic, you know, um, when you learn to play guitar or you learn to play piano, uh, you've learned the skills to be able to play many many songs. In uh, magic, kind of, sort of, there's a deck of cards you can mm-hmm. learn to handle, but, but that's reaching. For the most part, uh, you learn uh, where people's attention goes and what people are thinking about. Uh, uh, really doing uh, uh, magic, uh, every time, and this is one of, one of the things Teller says, every time you want to uh, do a new magic trick, it's as though in music you had to invent a musical instrument and then learn to play it just for that song. <laughs> um, we're often inventing stuff and mm-hmm. learning to handle it that you know no one's done. So the actual base of knowledge ends up being this knowledge of um, just what the audience is thinking. You know, you you have to. And Teller has the best sense of this, uh, certainly in the world, probably that's ever existed, of knowing whether uh, fourteen hundred people when you put your left hand in your pocket, will think that's fishy. That sense is what we learn. We don't learn how to play the piano. We learn, does that look, is that what people are paying attention to? And that translates really into, uh, into all art. I mean, when you're, when, you're, uh, when you're doing a comic book, one of the things the artist and the writer have to be aware of is what is the audience thinking in this panel? You know, what are they thinking when they look at this? You know, what are they carrying from the last thing? What are they carrying from the world? Mm-hmm. What are they carrying from their humanity? What is contained in that, right? Because the information you give um, when you're writing an article, when you're writing an article for the New York Times, mm-hmm. um, you have to have the map of what you want to say, but also the complete map of what you think your readers know, okay? What do you need to explain? And uh, with comics, it's, it's, it's even more tangential and even more um, uh, abstract because you have to think uh, what are these colors and these shapes making someone think? I mean, is mm-hmm. there an action that's going left to right, an action that's going right to left? In movies, 
you can actually see that that's, that's happening at that moment. But in frozen moments, to be able to see what part of that connects to the other, I think it's a, uh, it is a similar um, skill set. You're not using that to mislead it, but in magic, a very small part of that is the misleading. You get where they're thinking, understand where they're thinking, surf with that, and then pervert it at that moment <laughs> that allows you to, uh, to, uh, to snow them. Along those same lines, do you think there's kind of a common fandom between comics and magic and uh, a crossover audience? There is. Mm -hmm. There is. And the way you would have said that um, maybe 40 years ago is, you know, uh, teenage boys. Mm. And uh, both magic and comics are coming out of that. Uh, I'd like to think that uh, what's happening with uh, magic uh, now is what was happening with comedy maybe 10, 15 years ago. I mean, your, your most important forces in comedy right now are women, mm -hmm. and about time. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And we haven't had that happen in magic yet. But we're, mm -hmm. you know, when we do our show Fool Us, uh, we're starting to see 13, 14, 15 year old girls mm -hmm. with the same kind of chops that 13, 14, 15 year old boys have, oh. and the same kind of interest. And I hope we see in magic what we saw in comedy was when uh, a different gender gets involved, you get different stuff. Sure. You just get different stuff, you know. Um, uh, whatever you think about uh, the newest, you know, reboot of Ghostbusters, uh, whatever you think about that, there's a different sensibility brought in by having women in those roles. And uh, comics have um, struggled to bring in strong, strong uh, uh, w women characters, strong female characters. And, you know, there's been, there's been some success. And there's been very, uh, very sincere uh, trying to do that and with different degrees of success. But that's going to be very different than when it's comfortable for women to be writing and drawing, which I know they are, yeah. but in real numbers. Sure, of uh, course. Which is what we're trying. You know, in magic, we have it already, too. So I think, uh, I, I think that I'm stating this all in the negative, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, uh, I think it... I, I'm doing that in order to say the positive. What made those things boys clubs are what make them have that in common. And uh, it's nice to get out of that. But the basic guts in that, uh, I mean, uh, when I was, you know, 13, 14, I cared about, you know, this kind of music, comics, magic. And I don't think I was, uh, I, I was uh, way off the bell curve right. in that. You know, most of the people that... Uh, that uh, sit and wonder about um, uh, what it would feel like to have different powers yeah. uh, are going to go to comics and to, and to magic. What would it be like to be able to, uh, you know, put my hand over this card and have it change mm -hmm. is not that different from what would it be like to be able to swing from a web through, uh, through a city. Cool. Uh, we actually have something we want to show you. Uh, okay. The uh, the artist for the issue that you're you're oh. working on is Mr. Scott Koblish, and sure. we just got from him this morning the inks for the cover, and so you get to see it uh, for the first time live on the on oh, the podcast. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly! <laughs> oh wow! So uh, 
for those of you who are listening, uh, we yeah. got we got one half of the cover is a Spider-Man punching some some bad guys, and the Deadpool is there in front, except he's got his mask pulled up, and you see that it's Teller winking. Wow! And on the other side, there's Penn stabbing a sword right through uh, Deadpool, disguised as Teller. <laughs> this is amazing. Man. Isn't it great? You, I will say, you look pretty psychotic, like stabbing that sword through. You got your eyes like bulging out. Yeah, well, that's the way I look. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so they no, captured it perfectly. Know, know thyself. I believe there's a bit of. Uh, I believe there's. Don't you? We have the long-suffering Glenn here, our manager. Uh, this is a, a human being you've seen. Indeed. <laughs> uh, boy, oh, this is fabulous. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Scott is an amazing artist, and yeah, he's doing. He did. He did the cover, and he's going to be doing the interiors as well. Oh man. He's done a lot of great Deadpool uh, stories for us. Beyond my wildest dreams. Oh, good. I'm glad you like it's it. It's really, really beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, Excellent. It's a high-quality paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's really, really nice. You know, you mentioned being into comics like how you were into Magic when you were younger. What were some of the comics you grew up with? Oh, you know, I don't want to answer that question. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it took me a little while to, um, uh, to, to get to the wit. I mean, what Marvel had, you know, when I first started reading Spider-Man, uh, which I came to a little bit later, mm -hmm. you know, probably 15 or 16 as opposed to earlier, mm -hmm. 12 or 13, where I, I, I read bad comics. There was always the wit, you know. There mm -hmm. were, in the other comics, well, you know, unless you get into Mad Magazine, if you want to call that mm -hmm. comics, sure. but sure. Uh, in, the, uh, in the superhero style, uh, what Marvel brought to it, was this incredible, uh, incredible wit and self-awareness mm -hmm. that took me? Um, I'm actually glad I got a base in the um, in the more vanilla before <laughs> I um, before I got to that uh, you know the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man thing. Mm -hmm. Which to me, it's it's that phrase that sums it up. You would never have seen that in a superhero comic before. Yeah. That kind of uh, the wink, yeah, the, the wit being brought in. Uh, I I I was uh, I was pretty fond of the uh, you know Fantastic Four mm. you know, being a being a being a big guy mm. you know it was mm -hmm. hard not to uh, not to kind of be in love with the with, with the thing and the yeah. clobbering time and all of that and uh, I also uh, always thought that the origins mm -hmm. of the Marvel things uh, were more interesting not just for another planet but there's always some sort of uh, uh, whereas Godzilla comes from a fear right. of technology. Uh, Spider-Man comes from a, oh, radioactive spider, wouldn't that be cool? Um, <laughs> there's kind of a, a, a love of the new and a love of the mutant mm. that, um, that, you, uh, that you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get in, uh, you know, I'm talking way back, you know, yeah, you know, sure. asked when I was a child. So, Absolutely. you know, I, um, I'm 61 years old. So mm. when you talk about me as a child, you're talking about the very late 60s, mm -hmm. uh, early 70s. Um, that sensibility of um, of coming out of the fifties um, uh, uh, fear of I mean it just just use that one word radiation you know mm -hmm. it's a big change to get a hero that comes from the radiation as opposed to Doctor Strangelove failsafe mm -hmm. uh, Godzilla right. you know all the stuff coming out of Japan for obvious reasons right. was uh, was real fear of this and there's kind of a uh, a playful quality of we have a chemistry set 
we're going to mix it up and what kind of cool stuff might come out. And that's what Spider-Man gives you and Fantastic Four gives you and all of that. I, I like where the powers come from, you know. And uh, uh, then you've got Deadpool, which comes out of the, uh, the paranoia, paranoia of the, you know, the government controlling right. everything and running these these powers, I guess, is also what you get in the Bourne stuff and all of that. Yeah, he he, t- he takes that a little bit from Wolverine as well. Like, yeah, 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 the whole yeah, experimenting on people and things like yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, that's a different kind of experimenting on people than you know Frankenstein or Doctor Moreau mm-hmm. or uh, any of that stuff we see in the twentieth century. Well, I guess Frankenstein is what the nineteenth century, but anyway, the uh, in the movies and so on, the twentieth century. You get a you get a different kind of feel, and and Marvel's always had that. Of course, it is kind of funny that the 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 government conspiracy that is behind Wolverine and Deadpool is the Canadian government, Absolutely. which is I like, <laughs> yeah, the most sinister government in the yeah. world. Uh, doing that's this. funny. It's always more you least suspect. But you know, uh, our relationship with Canada <laughs> has always been we've always we've always had an interest in America's hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Apologies to our Canadian listeners. Um, <laughs> so you're a busy man. What else are you up to other than writing comics for us? What are you? Uh, what are you doing at the moment? Uh, everything else okay. is secondary <laughs> to writing. <comics. laughs> Perfect. I've seen this cover. My my mind is uh, my mind is blown. Uh, you know, we're doing the uh, Foolish Show on the mm-hmm. CW, which uh, uh, I'm really proud of. Cool. I'm mostly proud of the fact that we're presenting. You know, I I, I speak in code on that show. Mm. Um, mm. You know, we we. We have to. I don't mean to use a, this strong a term, but we bust the, uh, the the performers. But we're very respectful, mm-hmm. so I don't want to give away their secrets. And yet, I believe I'm having a direct conversation with the 12, 13, 14 year old uh, children mm-hmm. who are interested in magic seriously. So I always try to give them uh, keyword searches mm. that they can go through nice. and find out how the trick is done. If they're willing to do the work, yep. which gives you a choice, you can watch that show and say they blew my mind. I have no idea how I, how I did it. They can say, wait, wait, what did he say? Did he say? Did he say double lift? Did he say what did he say? <laughs> uh, let's search them. Oh, my, that leads. Wait, he said color change, didn't he? Did he say color change? Go back there, and you, you know, in this age that we live in, where you can watch it on on on, uh, on a DVR or on a, on YouTube, mm-hmm. and hear what I say over and over again. The code is in there. So I'm having, you know, we're so fascinated in, you know, in our serial killer stories and all this uh, stuff of somebody in public speaking in code. You know, that's always a fascinating thing, whether it's back uh, to the hor- horrendous stuff of the Pueblo uh, in the early 70s where the people were, um, were, were captured, were, were in Morse code blinking their eyes. Mm. There's always this wonderful kind of, there's a code going on behind the scenes. Well, with all that stuff, in uh, in fool us, there is a code going on <laughs> behind the scenes, and it's a code that's really positive. Mm-hmm. There's nothing negative being said. I really do tell the people who are serious: if you want to know how this trick is done, these are the words to look up. I have a book uh, called um, uh, Presto: mm-hmm. How I Made Over 100 Pounds Disappear in Other Magical Tales, mm-hmm. which discusses uh, how I lost uh, over 100 pounds. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, kind of what the lifestyle was about that. I mean, uh, I make it very clear, if, if you take medical advice from a Las Vegas magician, 
you're an idiot and you deserve to die. <laughs> but there's some emotional stuff and, uh, and uh, theoretical stuff that I talk about that I, that I think might be of use and some yeah. funny stories. You know, there's always, I don't write books without, without covering, uh, you know, sex and atheism, always. No matter what I'm supposed to be talking about, <laughs> I talk about other stuff. I haven't worked too much of that into the Deadpool thing, but it'll sneak in. I'm sure there'll be a subtext. There'll be, a, there'll, be a, uh, there'll be dog whistles going on over there. So where can people find you online, social media, stuff like that? Well, at Twitter, I'm uh, uh, Pendulet. Mm-hmm. I don't need the real there because I was a beta tester of Twitter. Oh, wow. Um, nice. So uh, well, tell me more I, about that. I have my real name. Um, P-E-N-N-J-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. Well, friends of mine uh, were uh, heavy investors and mm-hmm. worked on Twitter. And uh, it's very hard now to understand this, but the first emails I got mm-hmm. saying, this is Twitter, uh, we've got you an account. We saved you the account with your name mm-hmm. because those are going to go fast. Mm-hmm. And this is just a very few characters to send out to everybody, and they can go both ways. You can talk to people. It'll be great. Uh, Trying to understand that in the vacuum where it does not exist was sure. impossible. I was remembered now, uh, uh, just to give you an idea that there is some history, I had an email address in 1984. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, and I was, uh, I was uh, pen at uh, MIT.edu because Steve Jobs called me okay. and said, we've got to get you an address. It has to be a hip address. <laughs> uh, so let's get you MIT. And the funny thing was then, with email addresses, really the only people I could talk to were Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. What did you have for breakfast? <laughs> you know, it was like Twitter. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, trying to explain to people, you know, trying to uh, talk to my friends and say, you need to get email. And them saying, well, we can talk on the phone. You know, it's a voice. It's easier. There's mm-hmm. no typing. I go, no, no. This shifts you out of time, mm. and it shifts you out of time, and voice happens outside of your body, and text happens inside, because you read it and it exists in your head, yeah. and there's, there's more intimacy in not hearing the voice and reading, mm. and there's more intimacy in it being on your device. It's why um, uh, sexting is so wonderful, <laughs> is that you're moving I was wondering sex, when we get to that. Moving, <laughs> moving sex inside your head. You know, moving, the, whether it's pictures or verbally, it happens on your device. It mm-hmm. happens already in you. It's already broken the barrier to self, which mm-hmm. is why it's, it's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so when Twitter came along, I tried, and they knew this. They knew I had early email, early everything. I'm an early adopter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was really great to watch. Uh, I got to learn what Twitter can do, um, kind of along with the... I kind of watch the earliest people do it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of watch people understand how the story is told and how the dialogue happens. And you'll notice that um, uh, the way I use it is very different than the way other entertainers use it. I use it um, uh, in a much more egalitarian way. I use it more like I'm standing in a crowd of people and talking. I answer individuals, mm-hmm. I do this kind of stuff. Whereas the people that came just a little later, and by just a little later in Tech Talk, I may be talking three months, mm-hmm. you know, very little later, have this um, almost corporate view, almost top down, here's how we yeah. send out our missives that talk right. about, and would this be the proper thing that could get retweeted? Which to me is the exact wrong way to think mm-hmm. about it. So there's this sense with people who came to Twitter later mm-hmm. that that this is the way we sell a brand. Mm. And, 
That's not true. Uh, the way you sell a brand is to not think of it as a brand. The way to sell a brand is to speak from your heart yeah. and let the audience decide what that brand is. Society gets to decide that. So I send out tweets in what I'm sincerely interested in. And I, I, I answer the tweets I sincerely want to answer. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people ask me, you know, who runs your Twitter account? <laughs> Which is, to me, like saying, who's speaking in your voice? <laughs> it's me. Right. It's yeah. me, you know. And so I try to be um, very open to uh, what other technology is coming along. Because, you know, I thought Vine might be that that got on. Right. I did not think Snapchat, Snapchat chat would have a chance. Mm -hmm. I, you know, my senses are, are not right. My spidey sense did not tingle at the right time. Yeah, so that's, that's what I was going to say, is what's the next thing? What is this new secret thing that you're doing? If I knew what the next thing was, <laughs> I would not be wasting a moment talking to you. Oh! <laughs> that is a good spot to, uh, to end things. Alright, perfect. Do <laughs> you have anything else to add? No, no, this is going to be a great issue. I think everybody should check it out. Absolutely. And when's it available? Uh, it's, ooh, good question. It's in November. Uh, I don't know the exact date. Probably at the end of November. Uh, and it's issue 11 of Spider-Man Deadpool. Cool. And thanks so much for taking I the time to talk with us. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. All right, everyone. This is Marvel, your universe. It's the West Coast, show me the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Hello there. This week in Marvelites, this is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another final thrilling installment of the Strummy and the Wolfman show, starring the Wolfman and Strummy. That's right, I said final, because I've finally uh, driven Wolfie away. Sure did. I, he's working with us for two years. It took us two years. He lasted about a year and ten months longer than I thought he would. Um, if I knew then what I knew now. Yeah, yeah, but... He's gone. He's gone. We've got a special goodbye Twim URC that we'll do with him at the end of this that none of you commented on because I guess nobody likes you, Patrick. The feeling's mutual. All right. Well, great. Before we get to that, Muzak? No, not Muzak. Why did I say Muzak? What? News? Can Muzak? I, is there some news? Do we have some news? We do have some news. We announced that Marvel's Runways is headed to Hulu. It will be executive produced and showrun and written by uh, Stephanie Savage and Josh Schwartz, who we all know and love, or at least I know and love, from VLC and um, uh, Gossip Girl and all, all that good stuff. Were you ever? I, you don't peg me as a Gossip Girl fan, Patrick. Can't say I ever watched it. Oh, you missed out. Those first two seasons were so good, and I can say that in all earnestness. I will... Go to the mats for that show for those first two seasons. They were they were divine television. It was like Edith Wharton, but today. If Edith Wharton were today here today, you don't even know who Edith Wharton is. You're so uncultured. Who's Edith Wharton? Your mom. I wish. Also, that would make me like 150 years old if Edith Wharton were my mom. No, I'm not JP. JP's in the room. JP, our office manager, say hello, JP. Hi. JP may be taking over next week as an interim host <laughs> with me for the Strami and the Wolfman show until we find a new Wolfman. Um, I'm going to call him the Wolfman 
Howl for us, JP. Howl. You don't know. You don't have to do that. No. There we go. That's what I like to see. <sighs> anyway, what other news we got? We got Marvel's Runways head to Hulu. You did a nice little listicle explaining who all the runways are. Did you ever push that live? Uh, no, I was busy this morning. All right, I guess I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> you're, you're busy doing what? Like saying goodbye? Oh, yeah, okay, all right, fine. That's what I thought. <laughs> uh, ugh. And then we had a nice three-hour goodbye lunch for you at Chili's. Sure did. Still full. Want to barf. Uh, Hashtag want to barf. <laughs> I've uh, I've got to get a big pizza in like two hours, so I'm looking forward to that. Great, <laughs> JP. What are your dinner plans? <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing. J- JP, fine. what are your dinner plans? I, I, I don't know. A salad? Burgers? Salad burgers. Salad burgers. Salad burgers. Yes, he's having salad burgers. Uh, we had two new pictures from Marvel's Doctor Strange oh, that I right. posted. Oh, that's right. That's right. We did. Was do, and I posted four pictures from Marvel's Luke Cage on Monday. I think you did. I think you did. So, oh, and we have a brand new episode of Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Disney XD, which you can hear even more about uh, in a few moments. How much did you talk about Highlander and how much did you talk about Avengers this time? What was the ratio? No Highlander. Definitely some Avengers. What, what else did you, what, did you talk about football or something? Does that sound like something we talk about? It sounds like something you talk about. No, we did not talk about. People, listeners can hear exactly what it is in just a few moments. Oh, I want you to give a summary and recite it so that then they have to listen to it again. Nope. I respect our listeners too much. I don't believe that for one second. If you really respected them, you wouldn't be abandoning them. I'm so cold and dead inside. I'm crawled up in the corner alone and crying. Someone please come help me. Is there any other news? Um, did you post anything? I don't know. Did I? Did you? Did we post anything? We? I explained what I posted. I, you expect me to remember what I post? I don't even know what day of the week it is. Isn't this Saturday? Oh, it's Wednesday. Oh. Saturday, I wouldn't well, be here. Well, that explains why I'm at work. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all the news we got. So should we should we kick it over to uh, to, uh, to Twim URC? Uh, I think they'll probably plug animation in here, but then plug animation in here. Get animated up in this, and then uh, and then we'll be back in a little bit with uh, with Twim URC. Uh, keep listening, and there will be a very tearful farewell at the end that will make you cry. We're joined by uh, Stephen Wacker and Harrison Wilcox, as well as Marsha Griffin, plus special guests Danny Wolf and Eugene Sun. That's right. Woo! Star-studded episode. Uh, we're here to talk about a brand new episode of Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution. Sounds <laughs> like Thor. There we go. Sounds like go. Thor opened a very full closet. <laughs> all of his, all of his stuff on the top shelf just clanging that to the ground. That is a candy Thor hammer. Yep. Uh, Candy's gone though, right? With a sign on the hammer that says "Try me," just like Thor's hammer. <laughs> it's an exact replica. Uh, we got a brand new episode of Marvel's Avengers: Ultron Revolution. Who's who is most excited to talk about what's going on this week? Well, I'll start. All right. Uh, it features a, a villain uh, that we have been uh, challenging ourselves to finally uh, lick: Kang the Conqueror. 
and uh, his time traveling exploits. And uh, Danny and Eugene sort of cracked the story. Danny wrote the script. Um, uh, it's time travel, which gives everybody a headache. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's a story we're uh, very excited about. Danny, I'll let you talk uh, specifics. Uh, yeah, it's future. a two-parter, and uh, we get to play around a little bit with uh, travel to the future. There's maybe a little bit of travel to the past. Just sort of finding the finding the excitement of that without you know making it so complicated and difficult that it messes up kind of the the logic of everything. But I think we found the sweet spot. And, uh, and had an awful lot of fun with, with the characters, with the villain himself, who is fantastic, and then with the, all the characters kind of, you know, playing around off him and off of each other as they travel through time. Uh, now, who is more villainous, Kang or Biff from Back to the Future? Oh, well, Ooh. Kang's more fun villainous. Biff is... Uh, I say Biff. Uh, you say Biff? I say Because there's no redeeming qualities yeah. to him. None. None. He, he lives too much in our world to be... <laughs> to be he is good at waxing fun. cars. That's true. I didn't say he wasn't good at something. Right. He said that he's he, the better he waxes, villain. He waxes the cars quite villainously. <laughs> uh, and uh, we also have other heroes, right? We, we get to see other heroes in the 30th century. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, uh, possibly go, go ahead, some, some heroic characters. Let's let's leave it at that. Yeah, we will say heroic characters. Uh, if you want to learn more about those heroic characters, you can check the clip that we posted that features some of the <laughs> heroic people. Guests. Already oh, know. Oh, okay. So people already know. <laughs> go ahead. You're not spilling anything. Uh, yeah, we have a, a rebel, a group of rebels in the in the future, and they're led by one of our characters who we meet again in the future. So very cool. So I, I I didn't see the clip, so I'm I'm not sure what. <laughs> it's it's, but, uh, it's yeah, it's sometimes tricky to let you guys know what you can talk about. Who's in the clip? Well, Kang. 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 Good. Black Widow's in it. Okay. Uh, there are some other rebels in it. Mm-hmm. We okay. can say Star Wars Rebels. Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> Some appearances by uh, uh, those they characters. They, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Cross Fel- Felicity Jones. Thank you. And thank uh, you. Kang is voiced by uh, Steve Bloom, fan favorite Steve Bloom, which people might find interesting. Do uh, weigh in right now, listeners, if you found that interesting. <laughs> On the count of three, Steve Bloom fans, shout. Tweet to Patrick <laughs> if you found that interesting. No, no one's gonna tweet me anymore because I'm not gonna work for Marvel anymore. Well, that brings us to another topic. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, as we get uh, more important, as you're watching Avengers this weekend on Disney XD uh, at 8:30 on Sunday. 8:30 a.m. on Disney XD. Yep. I uh, know that this is our last time with Patrick Cavanaugh. Boo. And, uh, when I think about the uh, years now of these podcasts and our wonderful Decades, me- memories, even. I think I brought some clips of. Uh, <laughs> Some, Did you? Some yeah. clips, some, some highlights. Clip? Sure. Sure. For the next 45 minutes, we're going to go through all. <laughs> we're going to go through. We're just going to replay all the podcasts. Yeah, like. here's a clip uh, from a year ago. This is a very memorable moment. Uh, hey, I, I'll bet the Royals will never win a World Series. No, you're wrong. They'll totally. This is going to be their year. Wow. Remember that, Patrick? Oh, that was great. <laughs> that was great. You were right. Uh, there, oh, what was that? A, I, actually, I actually brought a clip. Oh, go ahead. I brought a clip. <laughs> uh, 
This is from uh, about nine months ago. And, uh, I mean, I think the, the, the clip really, really speaks for itself. Man, I sure do love being from St. Louis. <laughs> certainly, the, certainly the best barbecue in the land. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, oh, that's right. My, my close personal friend, Bruce Springsteen, has arrived. Uh, it certainly is great here in December of 2015 having some barbecue. Man. Oh, who? And that's the end of that clip. So as you can see, there's been what <laughs> memories. <laughs> we cut the clip before you get the full. <laughs> he actually, we actually cut it. That was a, that was an editorial decision. You know, it's he been got... 50 years. It's John Kennedy stopped by one of our very first <laughs> podcasts. Oh, that's right. Do we have a Harrison? Did you bring that no. clip? No. Oh, <laughs> all right. I have it here. Oh, you have Hera, it. Harrison. <laughs> I just read this new comic here, Spider-Man. I would like to do seven or eight animated series that lead up to a series called Ultimate Spider-Man. I didn't know he was South African. Why is there a woman in the workplace? Wow. Oh, and then he brought it, and then he, he, I remember that, and then he brought in Chappie. He brought in that robot Chappie. <laughs> The South African robot. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that all checks out. Uh, I know, I know. Eugene and Danny are thrilled that they were <laughs> to be here. It's a very special episode. <laughs> a very special, yes. I look what, forward to hearing the clips of this episode. Oh, ten years oh, from genius. now. Genius. Yes, absolutely. Their heads are actually tomorrow because just to get back to uh, the animated oh, the, world. Yeah. Uh, they are busy to, uh, getting ready for tomorrow. We have a summit. Um, where we're breaking out the rest of uh, uh, Avengers Secret Wars, which is our season four uh, show. So uh, we have a big uh, 48 hours ahead of us as we wrap up Secret Wars in a way that uh, hopefully leaves the team uh, changed uh, and uh, it's a finale that's uh, bigger than we've ever done. So That's what they're concentrating on when I drag them in here. But uh, goodbye, will. goodbye, Patrick. Wherever you're going, whatever you're do- doing, you've been tolerable as the host of. Uh, I'll take it. I've been called worse as the host. I've I will miss you. Intolerable. I will miss you. I'll miss the idea of you. The, the concept. <laughs> uh, so we only have uh, another thirty minutes for you guys to keep complimenting me. Oh, so. okay. Tune in to Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution for lots of time-traveling goodness this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on Disney XD. And until next time, uh, cartoon in to Disney XD. Great. Can we stop? I have I one so. more. I have one more clip. We want to run it as a. Oh yeah, that'd, extra, that'd be great. Extra. Remember when uh, Eleanor Roosevelt stopped by? <laughs> 80 or 90 years ago before they knew what comics were? I think I do. <laughs> Why are we here? <laughs> Where am I? What, what is this place? 90 years ago. Wait a <laughs> yeah, that was an exciting <laughs> podcast. Thanks to Kang the Conqueror. Thanks to Kang the Conqueror. Uh, man, I just really wish we had time for that time Catherine Hepburn stopped by. <laughs> Well, I don't know what to tell you, Patrick. Oh, oh my. She appeared. Why? Henry Ford. Robot Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> it's, 
We didn't even have to play a clip. She just materialized out of thin air. What are the odds? Man, talk about having a case of the vapors. That's a Tracy. <laughs> Boy, if only we were still recording this. Yeah. If only. Welcome back, Marvelites, heroes, villains, sad people, all sad people because Wolfman's leaving us. Wolfie. What? Why are you leaving us? Because uh, I am going to live somewhere else. You don't want to say where? Don't want your groupies stalking you there? Uh, why is, for some reason, my website, my own website is pulled up in your search bar on your oh, computer yeah. <laughs> as one of the last things. Do I want to know why? <laughs> I was just seeing what you had posted recently. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> I've posted nothing. Does anyone else in the room have an answer for that? JP? I, I, I don't even want to know what you were doing. I, it's, it's all innocent. Fun. So uh, we had we read for this Twim URC. We read some seventy six unread emails. <laughs> Do we want to see what he's looking up on Amazon? No, stop, <laughs> stop touching my stuff. Now I know how it feels to be you. Yeah, like terrible. Some, like some coworker just constantly coming in and being what are like, you doing? Hey, What's hey, this? Tell me what hey, this is. Why are you doing that? What's Everything going on that on you're here? doing right now. Tell me. Tell oh, me. Tell can, me. Yeah, touch this guy. Poke that. Hey, look at this new toy on your desk. Let me For handle those it. Those curious? That would be thewolfmancometh.com. Is what <laughs> Mark had looked up. Oh, great. Yeah, nice little plug on your way out the door. I was not gonna plug Don't let anything. Don't the door hit you. I wasn't going to plug anything if tuchus. it weren't for the fact that when I try and look at this comic book of Werewolf by Night, a fraction of an inch above that says, The Wolfman Cometh in a search bar. Yeah, I was reading a comic about a werewolf. I wanted to... Let me look up his website. Yes, that was the logic in my brain. Fair enough. Um, all right. So we read some Legion Monsters comics. Nobody replied to anything. Nope. Nope. No, nobody. Nope. But, you know, to be fair, it was a very random choice. I mainly chose it as a special send-off to you to just give you a lot of comics of werewolves and monsters attacking each other. Say thank you. I appreciate it. Say thank you. That's the boast you're going to get, because I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Didn't say thank you. No, you just said thank you. Nope. You mispronounced it as I appreciate so, it. So, let's you talk about these you. issues. All right. First up, we have the Legion of Monsters Werewolf by Night one-shot, written by Mike, well, the lead story, Werewolf by Night, written by Mike Carey, drawn by Greg Land and Dre Jay Lyston. I never know how to pronounce that guy's name. I don't know. We have the backup monster of Franken Frankenstein, of Mo monster of Frankenstein story, written and drawn by Scotty Young. What do you think of these little gems, Patrick? Cool, cool stuff. Spooky stuff. Spooky stuff. Cool. Well, spooky stuff. No, so come on. What was what was the Wolfman panel of this comic? The Wolfman panel. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna flip through it. I mean. Also, can we just point out that in the second panel you have a girl who is having 
fish line that's been dipped into silver, stitched into her skin? To prevent her from transforming into a werewolf. Right, but I still think that would probably kill you. Not if it's um, like a... Aren't werewolves like allergic to silver? Like wouldn't it... Well, it's, it's more like, I mean, it really kind of all depends on the mythology. Uh, did you know that in the original Wolfman film that it wasn't even a full moon that transformed him into a wolf? No, was, tell me more, Professor Wolfman. It was a, uh, like a harvest moon. Tell me more, Professor that's, Wolfman. I mean, that's it. Oh. So what I'm trying to say is the popular werewolf myth isn't always But that's not a werewolf myth. That's a wolfman myth. There's a difference between a werewolf and a wolfman. Would you not agree, Professor Wolfman? I guess. Okay, well. He's, he's still no, a prove werewolf. No, prove my point. Prove my point. Nope. Prove my point. Uh, so this story, you get a uh, nice little story about, uh, uh, oh, crap, what's werewolves by night's real name? Jack something. Jack. 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 I know it. I'm just not going to tell you. This is how you're going to leave this? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> After your behavior just now? Russell. Jack Russell. Finally. Jack Russell Terrier. That's his name. So Jack Russell Terrier, he comes in, and there's this blonde werewolf lady who is being attacked. And I liked it because it was all about sort of, you know, just this idea that werewolves aren't necessarily inherently evil. They're just misunderstood, like mutants. They're just a different form of mutants. Yeah, it's and you shouldn't hate them so much, Patrick. It's it's still a curse, but uh, you know sometimes that curse can come in handy. One could argue being born is a curse. Well, Lady Gaga said it herself. Some people are just born this way. Exactly. I think werewolves and me can really learn a lot from that. JP, I'm staring at JP, and he just can't wait to be on the receiving end of this when he co-hosts next week. It's you and Brian Crosby with me, JP. You mean Cros. So, back to the comics. I think the art is really cool, especially the, the actual werewolves themselves. I yes, Greg Land does Greg draw Land a makes mean a badass werewolf. Werewolf. Yes, where is it? Oh, and the, tar- the weird tarot card that all of a like, just flashes on her and makes her look horrendous. Yeah, and ultimately, everyone just wants to hop on a Harley, be a werewolf, destroy stuff, and then ride off into the the sunrise, I guess. Not the sunset, because it's already nighttime. Yeah, or just ride off into the harvest moon. Yeah, whatever, ride off into anything. And then we we get this gorgeous Scotty Young uh, Frankenstein's monster backup strip in the back. Especially Which, cool because everyone, you know, Scotty Young's style is so attached to the, like, young, childlike interpretation of things. Yes, because but of all of his, all of his uh, uh, kitty variants or whatever. Exactly. Called. But what are they called? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, he draws some scary, spooky woods and monster people. And he's very much helped by, I believe this is colored by Jean-Francois Boulot, maybe? Oh, no, maybe, maybe it's colored by him. Let me bring this up. This makes for good radio. Yep, no, it's just colored by him, too, which is awesome. Um, 
But yeah, there's something about the way he draws like the monsters is so like they range from like gangly to huge. Mm, I don't know. There's like some every single page is a different color. Well, yeah, no, there's something about his line too that, like you say, normally you associate him with like the younger, you innocent, know, playful, yeah, kind of stuff. But but there's something about his line that when he really makes it sketchier and really applies it to these creatures, it makes them look even more monstrous than like your more realistic. Uh, artist would. We go from sort of Greg Land, who does the hyper-realistic stuff, to Sky Young doing this very sketchy, terrifying dark stuff. Um, and I feel like this art is a nice transition into the Legion of Monsters portion main series by Dennis Hopeless and Juan Doe, color by Will Quintana, I believe. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of a None of the art is scary per se, but it's definitely like evil, evil looking art, but like a stylized evil. What's well, stylized in the same way that 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 Scotty's work was on uh, on the story we were just talking about. Um, I do appreciate. I don't understand if Elsa Bloodstone is like luring this monster in the opening sequence, or she's just dancing in her underwear, and the monster happens to smash in. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't say what kind of music she was listening to, so I think who knows? Who knows what it could have been? And she's just dancing in her underwear, but she still has her Tommy guns handy. I like that she uses Tommy guns. That is the true Monster Hunter's whipping of choice. Whipping? What? Yeah, whip. What I say? So whipping. Yeah, whipping. Weapon. Why said? Glad JP knows that you don't know how to talk. <laughs> from, from Minnesota, it's not my fault. Um, weapon. What did I say? Weapon. You said whipping. Whipping. Like W H I P P I N apostrophe. Whipping. Weapon. Well, there you go. Oh, that's, that's right. There. Okay. All right. Great. Weapon. And then we go. And then we go to Monster Metropolis, which. Is this weird steampunky underground thing? I want to say this first appeared in Rick Remender's Drinking Castle. That sounds about right. Probably. Yeah, I think I think this originates there. It's all these monsters just hanging out in this like steampunk castle down underneath the streets of uh, miserable Manhattan. Hanging out in a steampunk castle. Can you imagine how much it smells down there with all the monsters? I mean, I guess they'd be used to it. Maybe. Not even the monsters. Although, just, yeah, when you think about, just like... people who like, creating steampunk and wearing their dumb top hats. No, no, no. And their but, goggles. No, but it's all the monsters down... But when you think about, like, one species of monster is probably as different from the other as we are from that species of monster. So you say, like, oh, the monsters are probably used to the bad smell. But, like, there's, like, probably one species of monster that has a bad smell and they're used to it. But then, like, the other species of monster isn't used to it. But they have their own bad smell and everyone hates each other's bad smell. I bet that's how, like, a lot of, like, monster-on-monster -monster crime happens. Sure. It's all just about the terrible smells. They just can't stand each other. And the steampunk. And the steampunk. That's probably more it. <laughs> did you build... Hey, werewolf, did you build this? Did you put this brass and leather garbage in my backyard? No, well, let me hop in my timpanaroo and... It's a helium-powered steamship that I'm going to go over to the squid, Squidly's house and... <laughs> We're going to happen across the the apothecary and 
God. Wait, that is a spot-on Mark Strom impression. No, no, it's I, I don't talk anything like that. Um, no, it, it, did you just put Squidly in there from was, SpongeBob SquarePants? Say that word. Say that. <laughs> say that again. SpongeBob. I, I did a weird. I did a weird uptick on pounds. Yeah, and I think you added an L in there. Uh, also, Pants? no, Squidward, I believe, is the character in SpongeBob SquarePants. All right, and then and then we come up with this guy who's like a weird, like, he's kind of like a Steve Ditko drawing of a background of Doctor Strange in human form. Wow. And it almost kind of looks like the, the spot. He does look like the spot. He looks like the spot on massive amounts of hallucinatory drugs. Not yeah. that we condone that type of thing. Nope. Um... I also appreciate the idea of, like, these monsters basically being, like, monster cops. What would you do if, like, a giant werewolf knocked on your door and was like, Hey there, we see you're in there. We just want the facts and nothing but the facts, eh? I'd give them the facts. Why the facts? Give me the facts. I would give them the relevant No, why the facts? I'm asking for a facts. If they're asking for a facts, I'd say they're in the wrong year because people don't facts anymore. It's all scam. No, facts, PDFs. facts. Facts. If someone was just yelling facts at me, I would say things like, oh, well, did you know that in the original Lon Chaney Wolfman, it wasn't the full moon that transformed him? It was the harvest moon. Ah, tell me more facts. about these facts. Is the werewolf, is the wolfman a werewolf or is he a wolfman? Is there a difference? Please discuss. Uh, I mean, not that much of a difference. Hey. Wolfman is a movie. Hey, you get a gold star, kid. All right, so that's what the werewolf would sound like because he's from the 1920s, I guess. Uh, where are we? Where are we even talking about? We got Elsa. I don't know. <laughs> what, are, what are we doing here? I, I don't know. Uh, it's your last day. What are you still doing here? I, because you keep saying stupid stuff like, <laughs> hey, leave a werewolf, just a fact, just a fact, and ran the joke into the ground until you had to sigh at your own lack of a point. I had a point. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. Uh, Morbius, Morbius, weird. Who is this, like, I, what, it, what is this, like, monster fish creature? I mean, I think they just kind of wanted to round out things and make it almost like the, the universal monsters and, like, eh, we don't really have an established creature from the black lagoon so let's just make this fish monster thing yeah he's, he's uh he's marvel's full monster from the dark black lagoon the dark uh oh and then you get you get some nice monsters getting their heads cut off but you I mean, but I mean, you'd like that as a profession no i would respect the monsters no but they're dead you'd autopsy monsters you'd like that you're into that kind of thing yeah, I guess that'd be kind of cool. Oh, and then we got a giant chicken monster that was a kindergarten teacher. Poor thing. Look at, oh, I didn't appreciate this before. The title of this is Legion of Monsters Hell Street Blues. Yep. Get it? Yep. Okay. Just making sure. Oh, let's, let's just blaze through the rest of this. Nobody, no, nobody that is listening to this read this, evidently. We were, we were just enjoying this ourselves we've got a giant lava monster i love all these 
monsters. I want Wando to just do more monster comics. Why isn't he doing this right now? Morbius, for some reason, has to bite into a reanimated cow's heart. That, for some reason, does something. Did you ever figure out what that did? No. I wasn't sure what that did, but sure, why not? Vampire biting into a reanimated cow's heart sounds monstrous. Um, Hellstrom, oh, and poor mummy. The living mummy died. For now. Well. Who knows, who knows that living mummy's future? Look at this guy. Look at this guy. I bet you and this guy would be best friends. The guy with, like, the teeth in his chest. Why do you say that? I don't know. Just because he looks spooky. Fair enough. I, I, that, is a, that is a requirement of friendship is you got to look spooky. Well, for you at least. Yeah. That's why I can't be your friend because I look normal. Sure. And talk normal. Sure. And I'm generally pretty normal. Issue three. Yep, issue three. We're on to issue three. Uh, We open up with some more flashbacks to Morbius and his evil ex-girlfriend. It's nice to know that even living vampires can have evil ex-girlfriends. Well, I mean, we don't know how evil she really was. Well, it's just through his perspective. No, we find out later. Dracula explains that she like tried to take over the world. I'm fairly certain try to take over the world is, I mean... Well, we don't know what her plans were Hitler, after that. Hitler, am I right? Uh, he tried to take over the world. That's evil. Okay, how about we change the subject? <laughs> Oh, and then, yeah, I love this little panel. So there's this little panel on, I don't know what page this is. Whatever, it's about halfway through the book where Elsa Bloodstone is considering just leaving the monsters. And she's like, oh, they're all monsters and they're all evil. And you see this little, like, cute Pokemon type monster just cowering under in, like, a little crevice, like, scared pantsless. It's like, oh, I want to take you home and snuggle with you. Is it pantsless? No, scared pantsless is an expression. I'm not, that's weird if he was actually pantsless and it's like, oh, I want to take you home and snuggle with you. Then that is a whole different meaning. Let me ask you that. Do you see that monster wearing pants? You don't see the monster's lower half. So you do not see pants on that monster. No, but neither do you see his lower half. I'm assuming he has pants on. Why are you assuming he doesn't? Because You you are only assuming that because I said I want to snuggle with him. And you you make me want to sound creepy. And you want to make me sound creepy. You said, look at this thing that is scared pantsless. So in your mind, it's not wearing pants. No, that's an expression. That's not in my mind. That's an expression. I just want to take it home and snuggle it. And then when I called you out on being a weirdo, you were like, duh, 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 duh. You're- uh, no, it's you. Even though you were the one who established that it was scared <laughs> pantsless. No, I. You could have ended at scared. That's also an expression. <laughs> this thing is scared. This thing is scared and it's cute. Wait, now it sounds like I like <laughs> things that are scared. There's no way out of this. No, just accept it and move on. <sighs> okay. Um, this is a great, this is a great send-off. I'm sure fans will, uh, will really appreciate this, uh, witty repartee. Uh, did you know that if you spill holy water over yourself, you can walk into Dracula's home and just, like, kill everyone? I did not know that. Right, well, uh, evidently Elsa Bloodstone did do that, because basically she just dumps a ton of holy water over herself and then goes in and proceeds to, like, massacre a ton of gnarly-looking vampire beasts. 
Good for her. So that's fun. Then she gets a little meeting with Dracula, and we get a little flashback, and we found out that Morbius's ex was evil because she was trying to take over the world. We which, don't know what she would do with the world once taking it over. No, but again, to establish, you, I said like, oh, she wanted to take over the world, and you're like, oh, well, does that really make someone evil? Correct, because we don't know what her plans were after that. What part of taking over the world sounds like a good guy's plan? Hey, everybody, now you get free health insurance, and we're going to throw away all guns. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Yes, but yeah, that's okay. not... Okay, there we go. There we go. There we go. It's not... You're not the... acting in the spirit of... In what comic book has the, sup- has the protagonist, has the superhero been like, I'm going to solve all the world's problems by taking over the world, and he succeeds, and then the world's better? Quiet, JP. Dr. Horrible doesn't count. He wasn't a superhero. Exactly. All right. Now we got Morbius. He wants to kill everyone, which I think is a little dramatic. Maybe he's the bad guy. Maybe. He's like Skrillex. He wants to kill everybody. I don't know what Skrillex has been up to, so I did not know he wanted to kill No, there's like a Skrillex song. I want to kill everybody in the world. Terrible. A E E O E E O. Everything about what you've been doing is terrible. Your singing's terrible. Skrillex is terrible. Wanting to kill everybody is terrible. You just took me to church. Thank you. Oh, I thought you wanted me to sing, take me to church and something, something, something. Everyone's going to say, why did you have to work so late on your last day? (laughs) It's, oh, because my boss wouldn't (laughs) shut up. He wouldn't stop singing Skrillex. Oh, and... (laughs) And then, and then they fight a giant. And then they fight a giant spot creature, and they eventually get him to stop. And then uh, Elsa and the werewolf by night have a nice little touching moment. Little Coda, and she walks off, and they're gonna go kill monsters. And the end. The end. All right. How many moons does Wolfman give this? Five moons. Out of what? Five. All right. Five moons out of five. That's the Wolfman's final saying. This is us signing off of this podcast. This is the last time we'll do this. What, what do you want to say to the fans? Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with both myself and Mark. Thanks for the tweets. Uh, thanks for, you know, being fans of Marvel. I now know that there's going to be a mass exodus on my Twitter because people are going to say, oh, he's not talking about Marvel anymore. See you later, at the Wolfman. See you. Bye. Nice little plug of where people can find you online. Yeah, if you really want to, which I doubt any of you do. No, what's her face from Game of Thrones even saw you on the computer and she's like, ah, it's a wolf man. Oh, Daenerys Targaryen? Yeah. That's true. That's totally. You can see my nah, that's Photoshop. Twitter header photo. All right. Well, thank you, Patrick, for joining us. JP, you did nothing. Um, but, you know, thank you for doing nothing. You do nothing very well. You're very good at it. it. Should be your job. Um, all right, I'm gonna do this one last time with the traditional sign-off for Wolfman because I'll probably have to reinvent it. 
uh, for whenever we come in next with someone else. Uh, thank you all for listening. Wish you a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous er week. I, at least, will chat with you in seven more days. And, as always, I apologize for the Wolfman. <laughs>